What will become of Dawn and Betty? What's gonna happen to Pete and Peggy? For Kate, it's a mystery. For Ashley, a mystery. It's time to hear Mad Women. Hey, Ashley. Hi, Kate. How are you doing today? I'm good. I feel like I sounded like the talk show host that time. Game show host. You did. Hello, Kate. Uh... Just let me know if I need to answer in the form of a question, am I right? <laughs> oh, oh, boy. This is Mad Women, the podcast. It is. We're going to talk about season three, episode four of Mad Men. The arrangements. The arrangements. Mm. Like edible arrangements. But not. No. But they are legal now. D- yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, listeners, thank you for your patience. This episode is coming a little late, but you know. But deal with it. Deal with it. We're, you know what? We have Mm -hmm. rocketed them out every week. Yes. For how many seasons now? Three and a quarter. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. We will refund the entire price of this podcast. <laughs> we just get real belligerent toward our Listen, devoted fans. Motherfuckers. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I heard nothing. Other than like a sad emoji from my dad. I was going to say, how did your dad feel? That was my first question. I, I, I always try to give him notice when it's going to take a minute. So I had a couple oopsie doopsies. Uh-oh. What did we do? Uh, We're perfect. I know, but sometimes the recording messes it up, Oh, and so I have to go back and okay. All right. correct the recording. One, we were talking about the name Beatrix. I said that was the name of the Harry Potter character, which is clearly Bellatrix Lestrange. Uh. Uh, one, Bacardi is not my first cousin once removed. He is my second cousin. Okay. That because was we a... share great-grandparents. Gotcha. That was a big oopsie. I knew that one was going to come back because that's like, Whew. if I ever plan to run for president, I'm going to need to keep my family tree in order. That's right. That's the thing about this podcast that exactly. I'm worried about coming to light. Especially when you have somebody named Bacardi in the family. Right. And when you have a named twin running for Senate. That's true. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> my name is Kate E. Britt. And there is a Katie Britt who is running for Senate in the state of Alabama. Katie. Katie. You are Kate, middle initial E. Yes. Britt. She is Katie, her first name. Yes. Right. Middle initial B. Right. I did go by Katie until pretty much I moved here four years ago. Yeah. But there's a good reason that I've separated myself professionally. <laughs> <laughs> because we also literally graduated in the same law school class together at the University of Alabama in 2013. So... I imagine, here's what I've always imagined, is mm-hmm. you were to look at, like, the Alabama Bar Association website, which mm-hmm. listeners, you can follow along and do, <laughs> and when you look in the member directory, you're going to see two Katie Brits mm. that graduated from the University of Alabama in the same year. Right. And, you know, passed the bar in the same, you know, term. Right. Who are you going to think is running for Senate? Whew. The one with the address that's the, in Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> Or the one with the address that's like in Montgomery, Alabama. Right. Uh, which I don't know where she lives. I'm not trying to dox any Senate <laughs> candidates. I just think it's fun. It's just the weird sliding door situation. <laughs> and I can't wait to I get a t-shirt. I hope that you mm-hmm. suddenly have like picketers outside mm. your apartment because they really don't yeah. like Katie Britt's policy. I mean. And they find you and they come here. Liter- I mean, if 
if a Republican senator has my name, yeah. then I could be in for it for a very long time. <laughs> like, this could just be the rest of my life is being mistaken for oh, Katie. You got to change your name. Why should I change my name? You're right. She's got to change her name. She married into it. It's my birth. Oh. It's my birthright. So did she marry your cousin Bacardi? No, she did not. She Damn. married a really, really tall football player. Oh, okay. <laughs> that I don't. Like, yeah, he's a Brit from Alabama, but we don't know if we're... Like, I've never spoken to him. You, you Listen, you need to figure out this family tree. That's true. We we nailed down Bacardi. That's true. Figure out how <laughs> Katie Britt <laughs> relates to Kate E. Britt. Well, that's for a future episode okay. of Kate's right. Genealogy Corner. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to mention that a rum and coke with lime is, in fact, a Cuba Libre. Mm. It's that much of a... That's much, that much of a thing. That's much of a thing. And it actually comes up in this episode. It does? We'll talk about it. Okay. And then finally, not an oopsie daisy, but I just wanted to follow up. An attaboy? No. A follow up. All right. Okay. Did you ask Justin about Click and Clack the Taffer Brothers? No, I didn't because I was waiting for him. Like I said in the app, I was waiting for him to approach me. Yes. Now, normally he is very on the Mm -hmm. ball when listening to our apps. Yeah. But this week he's been like... I need to get my business in order. I need to listen to business podcasts that I've been putting off because I've been listening to mad women. So he listened to more different uh, podcasts. He listened to part of ours, but I don't think he made it all the way through yet because he has not yet approached me about Click and Clack the Tapper Brothers. fun. Yeah. So you haven't brought it up at all. No. I love that. I've told him that there is a surprise in there. Yeah. Or else he's heard it and forgot to tell me, in which case he's dead to me. Well, that's fair. Relationship over. Hopefully when he hears this, <laughs> he will know. He will text me immediately. Yes. Sad emojis. Yes. And hearts. <laughs> and eggplants. <laughs> eggplants and peaches. Um, do you think the podcast he's listening to is just old car talks? <laughs> I really hope so. I really hope that like, I need to get my business in yeah. order is him listening to Click it's and like, Clack. What sound was the car making? (laughs) (laughs) What color was it? Because that is always an important question that they ask. It's true. Yeah. They do ask the car. They ask that every time. And they know exactly what's happening with all of them. Sometimes based strictly on the color. Yeah. They're they're like, oh, yeah, that color of Uh, that year. Green 1995 Mazda. They had a new paint. That makes augas. Right. And it's soaked in to the carburetor. Yeah. And so, yeah, those are just going to have to be replaced. Yeah. Uh, that show is so good. Peak off and drop off. <laughs> Etc. All right. So that's that's all my business from last. Did you have any attaboys or oopsie daisies? I did not have all any right. of those. Okay. So then we can look at... <gasps> Ashley predicted. Ashley predicted. I almost forgot the sound that I make for that segment. I want you to know something. <laughs> I, listener, I waved my notebook at Ashley, <laughs> and she took it as her cue to make the sound. Yes. I was just waving my notebook at her because I was proud that I remembered it. <laughs> and then she said it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Cool, 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 cool. So Ashley predicted for season three, episode four, that... Uh, there would be a mixed bag effect on Sally of stealing the money. Mm. She would feel guilty, but she would feel alive. And so because she loves her grandpa to take away the guilt, she would steal from strangers. 
Uh, no one locks their door in their neighborhood, so she steals from the neighbors. She starts with knickknacks and costume jewelry, but she advances to televisions. She can hotwire cars, <laughs> and she's possibly just a straight-up kleptomaniac. Right. Betty has the baby because Meh. you cannot stand the Ugh. pregnant belly anymore. You will not acknowledge if she didn't have the baby. <laughs> and uh, Betty goes into a downward spiral because it's a boy, and she loses her mind. Okay. Which helps Sally get away with theft. All right. Jean well. makes Sally read worse go- books. For example, <laughs> Mein Kampf. Pete and Trudy dance wherever they go. Oh. Always look choreographed, but they turn to the camera and they say, this is spontaneous. <laughs> Pete is high all the time. No, Peggy is high all the Peggy, time. yeah. She, uh, it increases her inspiration, and so she just makes incredible new ad pan- campaigns all the time. And the show would end with pot smoke, uh, <laughs> setting off the fire alarm, and the sprinklers, right. and it would be a cliffhanger. Right. And okay. Don, you don't give a fuck about... No, Don doesn't give a fuck about the fire alarm or the sprinklers, maybe? I don't know. I just wrote Don DGAF about, period. <laughs> but he does advertising in his office. Okay. And the lingo was, toke him up, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now listen, I, I wasn't so hot on those predictiones. I mean, it's a new season. You're getting still getting a feel. That's right. There's new characters involved. Yeah. Yeah, you were so in tune with, like, Duck, and now yeah. he's gone. Now there's Englishman. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> My desk is closer than I thought it was. Okay. Clean on. All right. <laughs> Just had ourselves a little break, because I'm a moron. <laughs> and that entertains Ashley. So, the arrangements. A synopsis. <sighs> Don has reservations about a misguided potential client who wants to sell Hialeah as the new national pastime. Meanwhile, Sal produces the patio TV commercial, Betty... Okay, okay, I copied and pasted this, and it says, Betty searches for a roommate, and Betty's father passes away. Oh! I did... I don't know what's happening anymore. Oh! (laughs) But Peggy searches for a roommate. Peggy does. Betty's father passes away. Uh, Betty already has a roommate. Yes, she does. Peggy's father's already died. (laughs) So, first we see a black Lincoln Continental, and we see Gene is taking uh, Bobby and Sally out to the car. What is he holding? He was holding something? I wrote he's holding yellow lashes. I don't know what that means. Lashes? Flowers? Maybe. Boxes? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to name things that might be yellow. Sashes? That's probably it. So we see him in the car, and Gene's talking about the shingles on the houses that they're uh, passing by, but he's not driving. He's not driving. Who's driving? Sally. And is she, how's she doing, that eight-year-old? She's doing all right. She really is. That's because Grandpa Gene's helping. He's got his foot over. Oh, is that what that was? He has got his his left foot okay. over yeah. to work the gas and the brake. Okay. And she, because she can't reach the pedals. Okay, She's thank you. She's steering. Literally. Still very strange. I noticed it was a left foot, but I thought it was Sally's. <laughs> In man's pants I, and a black man's loafer? You know, loafer? I was still thinking about those yellow lashes. <laughs> Whatever the hell that was. <laughs> Autocorrect is really on my ass. So, she's happy about it, though. She is happy. Yeah. There's terrible green screen action. Oh, yeah? Oh, the green screen in this scene is just terrible. Just, like, when they're inside the car? Yes. So, it's, like, from Grandpa Jean's side, mm-hmm. and Sally's driving, and so yeah. you got, like, the windshield and the 
passenger windows, whatever, uh-huh. to see out into the world. Yeah. And it's just terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. It's just not. Which, I mean, I get it. Yeah. Don't really make a nine-year-old drive a car. Right. But. That's. Have better production have... budget, Mad Men. <laughs> Sorry you wasted all your money on fucking dresses and petticoats. And teaching nine-year-olds how to drive. Exactly. Then we see Peggy's mother is watching TV, and what we learn is uh, Peggy's sister, Anita's house, and Peggy's mom's named Catherine, so sometimes I'll call her Catherine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Peggy's mom's named Catherine. That's my name. (gasps) And her sister's name is Anita. That's my mom's name. What's your mom's name? I know, right? Wow. I know, right? No wonder you like this show. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to do that. So Catherine's mad because there's 50 minutes of news and nothing about the Holy Father. But he's been dead. He's, he's de- still dead, Ma. He's still dead, Ma. So Pope John the Thirteenth died on June third, nineteen sixty-three. So nearly sixty years ago. Nearly sixty years ago. He was eighty-one years old. R.I.P. Did he get? Did uh, J.P. Two come after? What do you think? Um, excuse me. Why would you ask me about Why would I ask you? the Catholic Church? Oh no, Paul the Sixth. Look at that guy. And then JP1, and then JP2? How many popes do we need in one century? That's what I ask you. Why are there so many JPs? And why did two come before one? <laughs> this is why I can't trust the church. No, JP1 came after John Paul the okay. first, uh-huh. and then John Paul the second. Who was before, who was, what was, you said JP6. Paul the sixth. Oh, Paul the Just sixth. straight up P. Just P. And Was it PPP? No, well, Pope, I don't know. Pope Paul. He's at least PP. Pope Paul the sixth. The sixth. <laughs> Perpetually Pope Paul. Perpetually Pope Paul. Well, He's fucking PPP. PPP. So it starts <laughs> June third. Is is it's sometime after June third, or we would assume, and the last day is June eleventh, which we know for reasons we'll get into. So they're at Anita's house. The mother's like hitting the TV. So it's not working. Maybe that'll make the Pope come on. It's a piece of junk. And it'll make it work better. She says. It's a piece of junk. Yeah, she says, TV's junk. Garbage. Yep. And Anita comes out. Was she, like, mopping? She's got, like, a whole frock on, smock She says on. the shower's broken. She was fixing the shower. Peggy's shower is broken. Oh, I just wrote shower broken. Yeah, I. it took me a minute. I had to watch this a couple <laughs> times to, like, figure out what. Because, so they're at Anita's house. Uh-huh. Their mom has moved into Anita's house. Okay. Anita is just cleaning. Okay. Her house. Yes. And Peggy is talking about how her shower is broken and oh. her landlord like hangs around. Like, no, she thinks Ronnie her landlord. Super. Yeah. Ronnie, she thinks Ronnie the super sneaks in and breaks it. Yeah. What she says. And her sister's response to that is, don't you like getting that attention? Uh-huh. And. And she says, this man does not look the way you want him to. <laughs> <laughs> she, she doesn't say he's ugly or creepy, or no. fat, or old. No. Just not what you are picturing. Not what you it's want him to look like. not the cover of a romance novel no. with this super. Peggy tells Anita that she wants to move to Manhattan. And she gives financial reasons. That mm-hmm. She commutes two hours a day. She doesn't like her place anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that's a week of a work, a week of work every month. Uh-huh. That much commuting. And the seats destroy her pantyhose. Ah. That's so expensive. Ah. These are some, these are the reasons you tell your family why you want to move to Manhattan. Yeah. And it's like, she's kind of, she's afraid to admit it. 
Like, we know Peggy's got, like, a wild side. Uh-huh. She smokes pot. She has one-night stands. Yes, she does. She drinks booze. Yes, she does. But she is just like, my pantyhose run. <laughs> well, but then Anita, Anita yeah. even says, you going to be one of those girls? And she says, I am one of those girls. It just gives the slyest little grin. Mm-hmm. It's, she's like, she does look happy about it, for sure. Yeah. And I do like that Anita suggests, why don't you move in here and we'll send our mother to Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Cute sister chat. Then we're in the conference room. We meet Ho-Ho. And the first thing Pete says is, well, Ho-Ho. And you're like, I'm sorry. What oh now? God. Fuck. I observed your wishes for secrecy, but now is the time. So Ho-Ho is just a white dude. Who's his, it's short for Horace. Yeah, Horace he's, Jr. Right. And he's got like, he's dressed like he's on the racetrack in Coral Gables. Like he's got this light blazer and a blue gingham shirt oh. and an ascot. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yes, yes, yes. I'm failing the fashion department in this oh, I'll tell you. Sorry. Right. That's my job. I'm taking over. <laughs> I do everything now. And he is pitching Hyalai to Lane... Yeah. Harry, Sal, Paul, and Pete. So, Hyalai. Hyalai. Do you know anything about it? Nope. This is the first time I ever heard of it. Is that true? Yeah. Interesting. It looks like Wiffle Ball. When we see them playing yeah. it later, it yeah. looks like a more dangerous version of Wiffle Ball. Yeah, because it's got that really big net. The scoop. It's scoop got a thing. scoop thing yeah. and a ball and you... Yeah. Which is what you do in Wiffle Ball. Yeah, okay. But with something more powerful. Yeah. Or less powerful, rather. Right. So, it's a... It's a, like, local sport in the Basque region of Spain, which is in the north of Spain. And as we know, I mean, a lot of Europe is like this, but Spain is definitely like this, where regions are like, like, this. Is, it's an autonomous region. It is not, mm-hmm. like, influence from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so it's probably dates back to a very, I, I don't know. I'm, I haven't done no research into Highlight. <laughs> but something that kind of gets pointed out is that it's, it's like just a local ball game like it's yeah. not it it still has those remnants like it reminded me of the pictures that i would see in books growing up of like native americans playing different games mm. and not that that makes it less like valid but it just the the sports that tend to become national pastimes are much more generic yeah and they're they're kind of robbed of any of those like more ethnic or right. home country right uh kind of thing so Ho-Ho doesn't think this. Oh, no. He says... This is a million-dollar idea. Uh, that highlight attendance is growing, and in seven years, it'll eclipse baseball. <laughs> Which he's saying it like probably one of the biggest baseball times. You know, this right. is like Joe DiMaggio times. And there, it has a special stadium called a fronton. Uh-huh. And he, they show quickly a picture of the Miami fronton. And I just want to say that I've seen that. Okay. I remember the being in Miami, I think it was the last time about nine years ago now, I remember driving past and seeing a highlight stadium and thinking, they talked about that in Mad Men. Mm. I literally remember that. I did not know at the time that that is the Yankee Stadium of highlight, like it was built oh. in the 20s. And so it is a major, probably the biggest highlight stadium in the United States, at do least. Do people still play it? it? They do. And... It is now a casino and fronton. Oh. And I read, I did not go into the specifics, but it's like to be, to get the permissions to be a casino, they had to keep 
the fronton. Like, the, they had to keep the highlight. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it's still there. Okay. But it's not as, uh, it's Weird. not, like, the main thing sure. that is there. Weird. They sell, they, the. he's still selling. He says the ball goes 175 miles an hour, mm-hmm. which is very fucking fast. That's very fast. <laughs> That's terrifying. Uh, How could it possibly go that fast? I don't know. But, I, I mean, I think it's it's that it's that, that scoop. scoop thing yeah. that you're using a tool as opposed to baseball it. where it's just your hand. And I think, you know, baseball is like 100 miles an hour is like major league. So, okay. Do you whip that thing with the scoop and then somebody hits it with a bat? Is that how you play high life? Or do I, you try and catch it? I think it's catching. Okay. I think it's like, I mean... Like soccer, but without feet. <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. But weird. I, once again, weird. No idea. Never no. watched it. Let's not look it up. Um, but it's Let's got patchy. Spe- speculate wild. I love speculating about highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I don't know if I know. I feel f- comfortable with highlight just because I've seen this episode a few times, yes. or because I've actually seen it anywhere else. Anyway, it's got patchy. He's Babe Ruth, but only, only handsome. handsome. And then he shows. He's like, "This is patchy," and it's just like. A dude. A dude. <laughs> yeah. A dude with dark hair. So I looked up Patchy. It's spelled P-A-T-X-I. Uh-huh. You know how I knew that? How did you know that? Because of the closed captions. Oh. So if they could spell Patchy right, mm-hmm. if they could get Fronton right, if they could spell Highlight right, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they know that Roger Sterling said, oh, sad meeting. All right. They well, spelled Highlight. Thank you. Correctly. I mean, that's all I'm gonna say. You're you are what you are saying is is that closed captions are infallible, and so I <laughs> I guess that's the conclusion that you have come to, and I have nothing to say to that. Okay, if that is your belief, <laughs> I'm saying that closed captions on the show Mad Men, yes, presented by IMDb TV, yeah, seem pretty accurate. All right, well you've heard it here first. So Patchy, his full name is. Bear with me. <laughs> Francisco Maria Churruca Iriondo Aspiazu Alcorta. Where the fuck you get patchy from that? I don't know. Okay. The bat, like, another thing about Spain is that they don't all speak Spanish as we know it. They sure. have a yeah. lot of different oh, yeah. languages, essentially. And Basque is, it's like near the French border. Yeah. So there's got, there's, who knows what the, they're, like, a couple of those names are not, like, Spanish right. names. Right, right. And so I don't pretend to know how to pronounce them. Okay. But he's he was born in 36, so he was in his, like, 20s at this point. He retired in 1983, so he played this oh. sport for, like, over 20 years. Damn. But it says he's regarded as the game's greatest player and has been called the Babe Ruth of Hialei. But he, he retired when he said, I knew it was time to quit when my eyes were quicker than my legs. So what's his face? Sal... Says Mel Ferrar. Did you look up Mel Ferrar? No. Why would I do that? Because it's in the show, and I look up everything. Sorry, I didn't look it up. I don't even remember him saying that. He just says that. And so Mel Ferrar is an actor. He was of Cuban, so like Spanish. Oh, when they showed the patchy picture. Yes. Okay. Yes, he's of Cuban uh, Irish heritage. He was married to Audrey Hepburn for fourteen years. Damn. So this is patchy. Okay, that's Patchy. Patchy is cute. I'll give him it. And this is Mel Ferrar. I don't see it. I don't see the resemblance. No. Well, eh. Patchy is much cuter. They don't look exactly the same. But I found 
they look they have they have the face of a man in the 1960s this seems to come it this is true i think mad men like one thing that they like to do it's like a neat way to throw in cultural touchstones that we don't understand at all oh yeah is to just compare like because it's also something to say they show you the picture of this random dude and you're like what do i say about this yeah and and Sal says, oh, he looks like this handsome actor. They <laughs> like, do that all the time. They're yes. comparing everybody yes. to 1960s real life to people. Ty Powers. All the time. Right. Ingrid, uh, whoever wasn't Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> in the, <laughs> or not Ingrid, Gertrude Stein. Yeah, 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 yeah. Et cetera. Et cetera. Anyway. So no one is taking Ho-Ho seriously. They're all just constantly giving each other looks mm-hmm. and like side eye. And he wants a, more than just... Making Highlight a big sport. He wants a TV show. Because mm-hmm. guess what? Did you see Patchy? You don't see him flying all around the world, saving lives and banging broads. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. He wants a, a big musical special on all yes. the networks. Like when the president addresses the nation. Yes. <laughs> no one's ever done it. And Harry says, that's because, and kind of looks at Pete and he says, that's true. <laughs> Paul suggests... That uh, Desi Arnaz would be in this big musical event, mm-hmm. which I thought he's a Cuban. He's got a big following in Miami. It's yeah. just like they're, they've they've shifted to this other. They're not appealing to Connecticut housewives anymore right. in this one, but they are. They are advertising to women. They're saying like we can do these prints in women's magazines. Right. Well, because like, he's cute. He's handsome. Yeah. I just I wonder if that works, and and I'm like wondering if, like, has. I mean, I guess Christian Ronaldo's been advertised to us as, like, a cute guy to watch soccer. Yeah. Peyton Manning, no, because he's not cute. (laughs) I've always thought Aaron Rodgers was cute, and he's just doing, like, State Farm commercials. I don't know who that is. He's the guy that does the discount double-check commercials. I don't know. That's fine. He's a football player. Okay. Tom Brady. All right, I know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I I just wonder if that's effective to be to advertise to women if you're trying to make a sport big yeah not that women don't love sports you love football i do you know a lot about it but i feel like in 1963 they didn't love it so much you know it would be for the men i don't know i don't know they're humoring him (laughs) so don comes in and pete summarizes that sterling cooper will produce an adventure program starring your handsome fella a musical spectacular and Ho-Ho says it's going to be on all three networks and it has to be in color. But CBS doesn't have color. And he says, fine. Ladies' magazines and the Sunday paper will be in color. But what about radio? And Don says, well, you'll have to take radio the way it is. <laughs> then he agrees to commit a million dollars. Yes. Which is a third of his ad budget. Yes. Not of his budget, just of his ad budget. Right. And Pete says, as they used to say at the Freshman Mixer, when you get a yes, you go home. And that's when Ho-Ho says, well, you never got one. And we realize, oh, this is a college friend of Pete's. Right. So do you have any information about a million dollars in 1963? Listen, I did not search it up. Okay. Because it's a lot. It's just like a astronomical amount of money. Yeah. It's just like this huge amount of money. It's a lot. It's, I mean, Don made half a million dollars. And it was really like six yeah. million. So, okay, listen, if he made half a million and that was really six million, if this guy has a million to spare, oh, that's yeah. like 12 million. That's 12 million, and that's just starting. Yeah. Ho-Ho wants to take Don to dinner to pitch some ideas. Uh-huh. And Pete says, no, we buy you dinner. We buy you dinner. 
And I noticed at that point, Ho-Ho, I hate calling him that. It's so dumb. <laughs> My phone always wanted to correct it to Hobo. Uh, uh-huh. But he has like a little Cuban-style hat. I did say very yeah. cool hat. The, it's like woven, yeah, little trilby cool kind hat. of thing. Mm-hmm. It's what uh, that detective and Dexter always wore. All right. I never watched it's, Dexter. He, oh, listen, I'm not up with your references yeah. today. I'm he sorry. Wore a Cuban man uniform. Okay. <laughs> of a, like, guayabera and a little hat. Ooh, okay. So Harry and Paul are joking about how silly this is. And Don says to Lane, during the Depression, I saw someone throw a loaf of bread off the back of a truck. This, it was more dignified. Yeah. And Lane's like, mm, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be fine. He's just wasting his money. And Pete calls him a fatted cow. Yeah. He says, enjoy your fatted calf. Yeah. He's just brought, that makes more sense. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's just brought this like brought juicy it, piece of yeah, meat. Just right to you. <laughs> for the sacrifice. And Don is suspicious because... He knows that Horace Sr. is a big shipping magnate with a lot of ties to Burt Cooper. And he doesn't think that the father would like it. So he's thinking about, like, Burt Cooper's kind of a father figure to everybody here. Mm-hmm. And then the actual father, Horace Sr. But Pete, who has a lot of issues with his wealthy father, mm-hmm. and he's like a young man who's trying to show his own, make his own way. He says, he's my age. He's born with a lot of money. He has a dream, and it's our job to make it come true. And Lane congratulates him. Nicely, Nicely done, my boy. Nicely done, my boy. Because Lane just wants the money. Cha-ching! Cha-ching, ching, 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 Did you ching, like ching. my foley? That was beautiful. All right, here's the sound of making it rain. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like when you make it rain. I, Listener, I stood up and twerked. <laughs> that sounded so real. <laughs> I was like, I got to work for this. You do. I can't. I can't do this for nothing. I'm not like ho ho and just take my money. Exactly. I work for money. Exactly. Baby. <laughs> so we're back at the Draper household. Betty's washing dishes. She is ridiculously ginormous. <laughs> she's like, and yeah, she's. It's a fucking caricature. She's like Grimace. <laughs> she's in a giant blue shirt. Yeah. Bright ass blue. Yeah. Like a goddamn tent. <laughs> it made me so angry. <laughs> it made me so angry. And it is very blue. It is very so blue. blue. Gene is in a suit. Yeah. He he's looks all like dressed up. He's a traveling salesman. Well, because he just got back from the lawyer or something. He's got all the, the arrangements. Okay. The arrangements. The arrangements. He says, cleaning up for the maid just like your mother. Gene oh. is like disgusted with Betty. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I think he's disgusted with himself for producing Betty. And that kind of comes up later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this whole episode is all about parents and kids. It's always about parents and kids. It's either about smooching or parents and kids. And Betty (laughs) is very disheveled. Yeah. So she's in her ginormous shirt. But she looks like her hair is not done Mm -hmm. up. She's not wearing any makeup. She actually looks like a nine-month, well... She looks like you look when you're nine months pregnant and yeah. you've stopped giving a damn. We did determine that nine months would be a June birth. Yeah. And it is June. Yeah. So we know she is ready to pop. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah. She doesn't look the way we last saw her at the Kentucky. It was like no. the Kentucky uh, Derby party was her swan song for. <laughs> okay. So wait a minute. When does the Derby happen? May. May. Beginning of May or end of May? 
Let me check. I know... So I have been to two Kentucky Derby you parties. You have. I know that about you. Actually, I've been to three Kentucky Derby I parties. I did not know that about you. Well, there was one this year. <laughs> and so... And they've always been like the first Saturday in May. Because one of them was... It's almost always the first Saturday in May, according to Wikipedia. All right. Because the first time I went, it was on May 4th, and it was... Star Wars Day? No, it was on May 5th, and it was Cinco de Caballero. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. And then on May 5th the next year, Uh it was Rise... It was Ride of the Skywalker (laughs) instead of Rise of the Skywalker. Okay. And so it really was like you were supposed to dress up in mashes of whatever those two things were. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I did that. I actually came to your house after the... Rise of the Skywalker. That's right. I remember you looked like you'd been horseback riding. <laughs> That's not true. Yes. Okay. You were wearing boots. Oh. Like riding boots. And I was oh. like, you look like you've just come from the stables. Oh. Well, there you go. I definitely did that on purpose. And yes. I remember that it happened two years ago. Well, now listen, I was about to get all salty about the growth of her belly. Okay. Because it's bigger like, now. It's ginormous. <laughs> I'm furious. Yeah. And I was like, you can't grow that much of a belly in yeah. a week. So but if a month has gone yeah. by, This all is definitely right. a solid month. Okay. Yeah. So Betty kind of reaches for the cigarette, and Jean grabs her hand and says, I don't like watching you commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Neither do your kids. Which is a pretty stark opinion for 1963. Yeah. That this old guy yeah. who's in the military is the one who yeah. is anti-smoking interesting and he opens up this real this folder from the lawyer and he wants to talk about his funeral arrangements and he's like already and betty does not want to they mentioned something about her mother's funeral or the arrangements like being messy Mm -hmm. don't know what happened there funerals are a dishonest business he says Mm -hmm. and he lists the things he's going to give her which include a lot of the coats Mm -hmm. of her mother's but he doesn't mention the house well he says the will is transparent you run the show yeah. Uh, and I'm going to give you your mother's coats. Mm-hmm. And so he starts, like, naming all these coats, whatever. But it yeah. sounds to me like he's leaving a lot to her. He's saying, you run the show. Well, I mean, in a will, you have to name an executor. Okay. And that person yeah. is, you know, sometimes if if they don't specifically say what property goes to where, because it's, like, impossible to name every single thing right. you own, the executor may have to make the final decision about how to, like, fairly... You know, if the house is left to both the kids, do they, does one of them buy off the other one? Do they sell it and share the profit? You know, Mm -hmm. so who knows where that is. Mm -hmm. I personally wonder why he would leave her in charge of that and not William. If not, he just doesn't trust William at all. Yeah. Because he's like the business person, you know, and he doesn't really have confidence in Betty. That's what I think. Right. He definitely probably doesn't want Don snooping around. So I don't know. He says later in the scene, that's probably why you married this joker. Yeah. He calls him a joker. He's a joker. Yeah. So Betty gets up to leave and he grabs her again. Like this is the second time he's grabbed her and he growls. He's like, you don't want to hear it. Scarlett O'Hara. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up Scarlett O'Hara because I wasn't 100% sure what that meant. Cause Gone was, with the wind. Right. I mean, I've, I haven't seen Gone with the wind in many, many years. I've never seen it. So learn me something. Well, the basic uh, description, I just read a little bit about, like, Scarlett's character. And one sentence that I pulled 
that seemed like to show kind of her arc is literary critics and authors agree that Scarlet's revolution from a spoiled, wealthy girl, typical of her socioeconomic status, to becoming an independent woman in an unforgiving society and unstable economy is a testament to the development of Mitchell's character. Oh. And so that description really sounds like Betty. Mm-hmm. And, it, and this is not the first time that Gone with the Wind has come up because we remember she told Sally that she wouldn't want to like fall off a horse and die like the little girl in Gone with the Wind. Right. And that little girl is the daughter of Scarlett O'Hara. So I almost, it makes me think, and it's something I want to kind of watch out for, are they setting this up for Betty to be like a Scarlett O'Hara character? Mm. Which is interesting. And I'm sure like that book was very much on everyone's mind Mm -hmm. because it was like just an enormously successful book in the 40s. So... I just found that interesting. Very interesting. We will Let's check track in. it. We'll track it. We're going to track it. Is so, Betty Scarlett O'Hara? Question mark. Betty's like, I have the folder. I don't need to talk to you about it. And he says, you've always, always been sensitive. That's my fault for shielding you for all, from all the dangers out there. That's probably why you married this joker. Uh-huh. If you'd even known what is possible. And she gets so mad at him. Uh-huh. She's like, I'm your little girl. Even though I'm pregnant with my third child <laughs> in living in this huge house yes. at, in my 30s. Right. I'm your little girl and death upsets me and you're just being selfish. Yes, I don't know why you, why you like talking about this when you know it upsets me. Yes. It's selfish and morbid. It's so childish. Right. It's very much so. And then they do a long shot yeah. of her big ass ginormous <laughs> fucking umbrella shirt belly. <laughs> Just to really drive home. Yeah. This bitch is humongous. She's very, very pregnant. Listen, this baby's coming out next ep. It it better. If she is even more ginormous, <laughs> if she, like, gets to the point where she can't fit through doorways, yeah. Yeah. I stop watching. I mean, you predicted a couple times ago that, that she just gets more and more pregnant. I did. And so I feel like you brought this mad on yourself. About it. I did. I did. I predicted mm-hmm. into happening. I haven't done that with anything else. <laughs> well, uh. I mean, are you mad at... The show, are you mad at yourself for not, like, following through on your decision to completely ignore her not being pregnant or her being pregnant? All of the above. Because you should Por feel ashamed about dos. that. <laughs> <Por> <laughs> oh, you said it so good, and that gave me the confidence that I would be able to say it good, but I could not say it good. That's fine. Why I'm gonna you know s- talk good. I'm gonna say that guy's name again, and it's gonna. I'm gonna nail it this time. You are gonna nail. It. You nailed it the first time. Thank you. <laughs> sure <laughs> I did. So we see Ken walking up to Don's secretary, Allison, with Harry and Sal. asks her what kind of mood is he in, and she just says, "I never write. I never write." <laughs> She's so cute. Don then asks her if he needs to take. He just asks, like, "Do I need to take a coat?" And she's like, "I'd take it." Yeah. Because you know what? She's never right. And maybe she just doesn't want to guess and, he's, and be wrong. We haven't really met her in earnest Mm-mm. yet. No. I mean, he got this new secretary when yeah. Jane left, but we don't know how long after. Yeah. Or how long Joan was filling it, you know, what yeah. have you. It's We haven't really met her yet. I don't even there. know her damn name. I wrote down Allison because I think he says it. Okay. And, and and because, yeah, like, I f- keep forgetting it because she's not a big character. But it's nice. You know, she has some personality. So far, so good. They slip her in there. So we learn that the patio director dropped out to shoot a movie in Los Angeles. 
And Don says, I look forward to his average work. Yes. And I looked him up, and I don't think it's a real director that they named. I was hoping it George would be... George Kahn? Yeah. I was hoping it... And there's, like, James Kahn. Yeah. I, and I, I wanted it to be, like, in 1964, George Kahn, yeah. you know, directed The Graduate or something. Mm. But none of those things are true. So Don just isn't faced at all. And he's like, just... Does that sound do it? He did the storyboards. What were you going to do if you had to fire him? And Ken's, like, super nervous about it. But Sal looks like he just was knighted or something. Oh, yeah. He's over the moon. He's got this faraway look in his eye. He's like, I won't let you down, boss. Yeah. You got me. And then Harry just tells him, tag, you're it. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I have to do this work now. So here's my theory that I want to discuss. Or just, like, an idea I want to discuss with you. Okay. Don has been... A goofy man for four episodes now. Okay. He is in, like, the first ep, he was doing improv with Sal. Right, And, like, being silly. Right. In the second ep, that's when he was joking with the guy in the bar at the... Right. Well, no, no. No, that's the third. That was the third ep when he was joking and, like, uh, doing the bartender shtick and stuff. Yeah. Just kind of a little loose. Um, The second episode was when he was, like, legit funny. Yes. Like, actually cracking jokes. So... What changed? Is it because... Here are some of my theories. Okay. Is it because he has a whole lot of money now? Mm. Is it because Putnam, Powell, and Lowe have, like, kind of secured the future of Sterling Cooper? Mm-hmm. Is it because he's home with Betty and he feels like with the new baby, he's, like, in control of things? Mm. Is it because he feels superior over Roger or they got rid of Duck? Like, he's... Mm. I don't know. But, like, he feels different this season than he has before. Yeah, he definitely seems much more settled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good cue. I don't know. I'm going to say it's that Fat Fat Stacks. Fat Fat Stacks. Yeah. I mean, it don't hurt. It's when he goes home and he goes... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, my shirt just flew off. <laughs> <laughs> Next scene, no talking. We just hear office sounds, and we see... Free kittens! We see... So what happens is Peggy takes down a free kittens poster, puts up a roommate wanted poster. Mm -hmm. So the free kittens poster, it says free kittens! Free kittens! It's got four pictures of the same cat, (laughs) and so you can tell somebody was using that Xerox machine to, like, make a copy, and then take the one with two, and then make a copy, take the one with three, and then make a copy... And she's got, it's written in her handwriting, they're black and tan with gray, to a happy home, inquire with Marianne, 212 Klondike 50138. So that's the phone number, and I just want to say, I said Klondike 5? Yeah. Because that's what the Simpsons do. Oh. Because if you type out KL5, it's 555, which is what, TV? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's all got to be 555. But... They can get away with doing it here because back in the day, old people like just use letters for phone numbers. Mm. Wasn't that weird? Have you discussed this with people before? I have not. My mom will talk about it, how like the the first letter is like the state and the second letter is the what? county. It's it's It has to do with like back in the day when there were only a hundred phones. Okay. And so there were when much more. When they were more... line sharing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. it probably started with that and then maybe... It was something where, like, they were just developing out of an outdated system before they figured out that... I never knew that. You're learning me so many things today. I love to learn new things. And I I think they would... 
sometimes align with the actual city name that the letters would. Mm. And so the, they just say, it, Butterfield 8, I think, okay. was something like that. I have no idea what that is. Okay. I've heard that term. It's because we discussed it in an episode of Mad Women. Right. But, it, but we didn't know what it was. Well, I <laughs> told you about it. <laughs> It's okay that you don't remember it, because I don't really remember all the details, but okay. that was another reference to Okay. It. All right. Anyway. Perfect. Anyway, it's it's a happy poster. It's adorable. It's very cute. It's yes. handwritten. It's cheerful. It's personal. It's personal. It, you know, just a first name, not even a last name. Yeah. Uh, it drew, it draws your eye right in. Yeah. It's I thought immediately. Kitties. Free kittens. Yeah. And, and then, then <laughs> the card it's replaced with. Rips that shit down. It's a big-ass blue index card with a typewritten message. Yes. The top line is underlined. It says, working girl seeks roommate. And then it just says, I am a clean, responsible, considerate person who wants a roommate to share expenses in Manhattan. Allergic to cats, but will tolerate dogs. I have some nice furniture and a small television. Serious and financially secure women only, please. Contact Margaret Olson, Sterling Cooper, 23rd floor. That's how I... No, listen, that's why she took down the free kittens poster, because she's allergic to cats. (gasps) She was like, these... I don't want anyone... Exactly. ...getting the idea that they can get a cat and my apartment at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Fuck anyone who can be around kittens, Uh because I can't. Yeah. And Peggy got high, and now (laughs) she's getting sassy. She's getting sassy, but she's still hiding behind this financially... Secure yeah. thing that and is, her real name. Yes, her real her her professional name, mm-hmm. and they just need to share expenses. Um, I already have a nice television and furniture. Like we don't have to buy those. Right. You need to be financially secure. So it's just like, it's all about this is just a financial transaction. Right. Because honestly, that feels safer. Because even this gets her made fun of. Yeah. I once again, I feel. More and more related to Peggy. After she had, like, a, a secret baby, I have just started feeling more and more related to Peggy. You can't relate to the secret baby? That part, I it's not my experience. Okay. But I respect her. Um, but this whole, like, I don't want anyone to think I'm too goofy. Mm. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so then we see Don is reading the paper, having a drink, while Jean is... Showing Bobby a box on the kitchen table. He hands Bobby a giant butcher knife. The biggest knife. Giant to open this cardboard box. It's many times larger than Bobby's arm. Oi. It could cut Bobby's arm off. Uh, The things he pulls out, Gene pulls out an exact imitation of the Gettysburg Address. Uh Uh-huh. Remarkable. Then he says, Don, look at this. Victory medal. France. I should have had another one. Should have another one for beating the clap. (laughs) (laughs) Donnie, Don, Donnie, Donnie just gives him a side-eyed look. Oh, yeah. He's like, the fuck yeah. is this guy? Well, when he first hands him, or when G-Paw hands mm-hmm. Bobby the knife, he's yeah. giving him the side-eyed look. <laughs> like, Ooh, I don't know about this. Yeah, Don's like in the living room just watching with, from a distance. Do you know who he's with? Who's with? Polly. Polly is <gasps> sitting on the floor at his oh, feet. Oh, Scheming. She's scheming. She's yeah. had her meeting already yeah. now with Chauncey. Yeah. And she's trying to play the good dog role. But do you notice? What? She's in the room paying uh-huh. careful attention yeah. to a giant knife yeah. and mentions of Nazis. <laughs> so it wasn't Mein um, Kampf I mean, that he gave Sally. But not, it was a Nazi helmet. 
helmets. It's a it's a Prussian helmet. Well, so he was in World War One. Potato, potato. There were not pro- uh, okay, Nazis in all World right, War Okay, all right, that's true. Okay, <laughs> all right, okay. It certainly the Germans, yes, generally, yes, but it's not quite Nazi time yet. All right. <laughs> so there's. Well, all- I mean, it's past Nazi time. He just wasn't involved in Nazi time. Sorry, I I was referring. I was living in the time of this helmet. <laughs> what if I thought that the Nazis came after 1963? <laughs> in the fourth season, World War II starts. <laughs> if only. What if you're like? That's the importance of that date in November, <laughs> Ashley. Is when yeah. World War II starts. It, people think it was uh, Pearl Harbor, right? But. Actually, wait, it wasn't even... What started World War II? What started World War II? Yeah. Well, that I don't know, but the U.S. got involved because of Pearl Harbor. That's when the U.S. got involved. I guess I... I guess as a... What started started Uh World War II was Nazis. I mean, fair. (laughs) Absolutely fair. I just... Like, my American brain loves to have, like, the shot heard around the world. Uh... The, you know, the first shot. Listen, I'm not a history person. Yeah. I've never been a history person holding mm-hmm. on to dates. Franz Ferdinand getting assassinated. Ugh. 9-11. Listen, when you say Franz Ferdinand, I just think of an early 2000s emo band. So do I. Okay. All right. But I know just as much about the Austrian, you know, Archduke as I know about the yeah. emo band. I don't know just as much. I know that that was a person. Okay. And that's about where it ends. Well... He was kind of important for okay. silly reasons. Anyway, for silly reasons. I don't know. <laughs> he was like the heir to the Holy Roman Empire, the Osberg, uh, Habsburg okay. throne. Or the, he was Austrian. All right. Well, I'll ask the Austrian that I know. He'll know. He'll know. <laughs> they kind of find that stuff important over He there. also knows history, so. That's helpful. It is, because I don't. I mean... But I know World War II was not in the 60s. Fair. Thank you. <laughs> you don't know that the Nazis weren't in World War I. No. Nope. But you know. I didn't know that Jeepa was in World War I. Okay. But that makes sense because he's so old. Yeah. I thought it was World War II. In my head, like that would make, because when I was a kid, all grandpas were in World War II. Well, but um, now wait a minute. But Roger was in World War II. So imagine Roger's age. All right. Is World War II and then 30 years older, yeah. 25, 30 years older yeah. is World War I. So, you know, we, we can see all those generational things. All right. What are you suspicious of? Just that. Just, like, trying to get the timeline right. Mm-hmm. Would Gene... I mean, how old is Gene? I mean, just uh, imagine he was born in 1900. He would have been 17 when the Great First War started. And so he would have been totally of age to be in the First World War. So then he died when he's 63? Like, that, it could I be. I guess it's possible. Like, that could yeah. be yeah. what it was. Yeah, that's very possible. Or All he's right. older, in which case it would be even... Yeah. It would still be okay for him to be in World War It's just interesting because Betty is his oldest. Yeah. And she's only in her mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people back then had kids young. You did not wait until your 30s to have your first kid. So that's uh, where my brain always goes. I mean, sure... Let's say he was in the war. And men can have children later. That's true. And, Fuck men. You know. And their testicles. Yeah. Who knows what he was up to. gametes. Who knows. So, the spiky Prussian non-Nazi helmet, there's a hole in it. <laughs> and that Gene puts his finger in and he's like, that's where I got him. And there's like dry blood there. Yeah. 
And Bobby asks if he shot him, and Gene said, I think so. I shot lots of them. They were trying to kill us. And Bobby says, war is bad. Mm-hmm. But Gene says, maybe, but it makes a man out of you. Living off the land, battling the elements, standing alongside your brothers. Ask your pop. And then he puts the helmet on Bobby. And Don does not like that. No. It's like, no. There was a person in that helmet. There was a man inside that hat. Yes. Take it off. It's a dead man's hat. Yeah. And Gene's like, it's an enemy. So Don has just so much more sympathy for him. Yeah. Uh, well, now they have this power struggle. Don says, take it off. Yeah. And Gene says, keep it on. Yeah. And they have this, like, back and forth mm-hmm. until Don eventually gets up and takes it off his damn head. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, tense. There. It is tense. Yeah. Kind and, of. Though. And Bobby's, you know, a pawn in the game. No, let me ask you something. What's up? How is it? Uh, this show was able to find a good actress in yeah. Sally uh-huh. and a bad actor in Bobby. We're on Bobby, what, number 19 at this point? <laughs> now, I will say I have learned that this Bobby went on to have maybe a main role in Once Upon a Time. Okay, but when he's seven or however old he is, yeah. and he says, war is bad, <laughs> I'm just as angry as when I look at Betty's Fake ass tint. <laughs> I don't know, man. All they, right. They, I just... They hit they hit so many things so pitch perfect <sighs> that, you know, one small thing can really stand out. All right. But... Well, I hope this Bobby is out of here soon because I hate him. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't think you got too much to worry All about. All right. I hate this small child. I just need that known. I don't think they ever turn Bobby into, like, a fully fleshed character and then replace him. Okay. Uh, he's, you know... All right. He's there. But then Gene opens this fan, and, like, the last thing you hear is him telling Bobby, there was this girl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gene. Which might explain why he should have gotten a medal for beating the clap. Yep. And maybe he waited a little longer to have children. Uh, I don't know, man. Okay. I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know, because he's dead now. He's dead. Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that I said in the synopsis, he did. I so, say you, he did. Is that from something? It is. Listen, I had to look this up the other day, because I've yeah. been saying that for a solid decade. I say you, he did. That happens. Um, And I was in bed the other night, and I kept saying it, and I couldn't remember. I was like, what the fuck is it from? So yeah. I looked it up, and it's from Family Guy. Oh. And it is literally just that line yeah. where Peter goes to KFC and he wants to see the colonel and he's yeah. like the guy behind the counter is like he did <laughs> he's like but I want to see the colonel and he says I say you he did <laughs> and so that's just a line that I've been saying <laughs> since what 2011 <laughs> I don't know how long I can see yeah, yeah that just sticks in your head it just sticks in there I mean I that can I ask can I have your number sketch mm-hmm. just him saying you are welcome <laughs> Like, if I ever say it that way, it's because of that. And I mean, if I didn't remember where it was from, and I just wanted to Google, you are welcome, I would be out on my ass. Yeah. Luckily, I say you, he did, was easy enough to Google. Right. That's a less common phrase. Yeah. So we go to another household at night. Ooh, this is an interesting scene. It's very interesting. We open, we see Sal, he's working in bed. He has... Pajamas on that are buttoned all the way up to his chin. Oh, yeah. He's floral. They're cute, though. Very cute. And his wife, Kitty, comes on with this bright green teddy. Bright green. She's looking cute. Yes. She's ready to get it. She is, like, 
this is gonna do it. Yep. It was on sale. Yeah. But it it looks more than twenty percent off. <laughs> hey. And when they start kissing, and Sal's like, mm, "I'm working." What kind of a red-blooded American male could turn down a bright green teddy like that? None. None. I'm telling you. Something's up with this Sal guy. Well, and she knows it. She says she, something's wrong, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And he just says he's not himself. And But she's like, why are, what does that even mean? Why are men so embarrassed to share their emotions? And she says something's been wrong for months, and I don't need that much, but I do need tending. Yes. Poor Kitty. Poor kitty. Listen, her kitty needs some tending. She needs some TLC. Yes. And she's like, what can I do? And so Sal, he, what he says is that it's work stress. Mm-hmm. That his job, that the need for, you know, hand-drawn pictures is going away. Everything's been replaced by photographs. But he's been given this opportunity to direct a, a commercial, mm-hmm. which is like... Really is, I don't, I I kind of realize like that's a legitimate career ambition for him. Yeah, who is seeing his job probably disappear. Disappear. Yeah, he says this is uh, this is my opportunity to build something that really does have a future. It really does. It really does. I mean, there's still commercial yeah. directors, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and if he's working in an ad agency that is starting to make their own commercials, and he and there's a whole on, television department. Yeah. So yeah. like, it really could build his whole career. And so Kitty kind of takes this as meaning like after tomorrow he'll be horny again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she says, "I do have this one horrible flaw. I love you," which is so like not real. Like, that's, yeah. I don't think, you know, I've never been married. I think she does love him, though. But I think they've kept it at kind of this, like, juvenile stage of, like, not really being emotionally connected, like adults. Well, she is younger than him. Yeah. By a fair amount. And I don't know yeah. how young she is. Yeah. And I don't know how many relationships maybe she's had. Mm-hmm. But I think she does love him. I mean, I think I we... I think so, too. We saw that when... He, they had what's his name over mm-hmm. for dinner. Ken is that his name? Yes, I did it. You did it. I did it. When they had Ken over and she wanted uh-huh. like she's looking kind of dreamily at Sal. Oh yeah. And they want to smooch and she wants to smooch and whatever. Yeah. And I think she does love him. Mm-hmm. I think she's just a little naive. I but think she, she gets is. a little unnaive in this scene. She does. She does because Sal uh, talks about how he's worried. Because the ad is all one shot. Mm-hmm. It's that same bye-bye birdie thing, and he has to do it frame for frame. And he begins to describe it. Like, you know, using his passionate uh, Salvatore uh, hand motions and voice. And then he stands up. And he starts going through the moves with his hands gesturing. Yes. And he's pulling up his skirt hem. Yes. And he's d- walking away. He's and shimming then, his shoulders. Yes, looking coquettishly over one. Yes. And... I just wrote, Sal, you so gay describing <laughs> this ad. The whole time, Kitty is just looking more and more horrified. She, yeah, she's putting yeah. puzzle pieces together. She's just like, oh no. This yeah. is him at his best. And yes. it is not... Someone who is interested in this Teddy. Yes. And can like barely even talk to him. And so I had written that before he started doing this, she was kind of holding him and she was smiling because, you know, I love you. Mm-hmm. And he was like a little bit grimacing. And that's yeah. when he, it's almost like he was uncomfortable being held by her. So yeah. he starts talking about the ad. And then after 
she tells him that it was good, he's holding her and he is grinning. Oh, he's and ear she to is ear. like fucking shocked. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh no. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've made a oh, huge mistake. Oh yeah, she can't like can't really mm-hmm. catch her voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she knows. She Kitty knows. knows. And this is the last time we see her ever in the show, like in this episode. All right. I don't. Should be giving away any spoilers. I, I just meant in this episode. Okay. I told you I don't remember anything. I know that's so. been clear. <laughs> so Don comes into Bert's office. He's meeting with Lane and Papa Ho Ho. Mm-hmm. Horace Cook. Ho Ho Ho. Yes. And he's. It's like Don wants to warn Horace about this terrible move that his son's about to make, but he he knows about the highlight stuff. He's like, it's not going to make any money. But this kid is going to find somebody to spend that money. Right. He's going to spend it. This is his dream. He's not going to let it go. He's going to spend this somewhere. Right. So just let it happen. We're getting into the part of Mad Men where every single line of dialogue I want to remember and repeat and recite. (laughs) And so I had to like really force myself to not write down just every single thing everybody said. Mm -hmm. So he had so many good lines. I I did like um, that they were drinking tea. Like, even Don has, like, a little teacup mm. because they're in Bert's office. Yes. They don't drink whiskey in those right. meetings. And Horace says, uh, no, no, no. Horace says that his son seems convinced of Highlight's financial potential. And Lane says, and there's no reason to doubt that. And Horace says, are you drunk? It's, it's like <laughs> Polish handball. You can't even play it if you're left-handed. Those, there's no wall on that side. <laughs> Which is a real issue. Yeah. And, yeah. and I noticed that Bert and Horace talk to each other. Like, they're on the same weirdo millionaire level. Yes. They have the same, like, let the marketplace do its work. Very Ayn Rand. Yes. Objectivist financial people. Because Horace is, like, really kind of ashamed of his son. Yeah. (laughs) But he tells Lane and Don, who both have children, sons. Do they have sons? I don't know what Lane has. He's got at least... Uh, I was mixing up Lane's kids with, what's his name? Oh. Duck's kids. Duck's kids. But I think he's got kids. He says, well, if you should be lucky enough to strike gold, just remember your children weren't there when you were swinging the pick. My son lives in a cloud of success, but it's my success. Perhaps when that evaporates and his face is pressed against the reality of the sidewalk, he'll be of value to someone. Mm-hmm. Which is very Ayn Randy, I think, mm-hmm. also. And Don, I think, is a bit disgusted by this. Yeah. Well, later he says, when we put that money aside when he was a little boy, uh-huh. we didn't know what kind of person we were making. Yes. Oof. Which is just... And I feel like Don, he thinks of his son, and then of like how he's raising his son. Right. But also how he's raising his daughter, because he sees Betty is another spoiled child. Mm-hmm. And he has a choice, you know? Does he want to raise... Sally like Betty? Does he want to raise Bobby like Ho-Ho? Mm-hmm. And I don't think he wants either. No. He may not... Betty and Ho-Ho yeah. both suck. They do both suck. So. Very much so. I feel like Don kind of forgets that it's his... That he has that kind of power. Mm. That he's a, he's a father and that, like, if he doesn't do something, his kids will be right. terrible. Right. And so maybe... I don't know that he ever becomes a real mommy blogger type, but mm. he he's sensitive to bad parents. Yes. Having been the son of several. Mm-hmm. We go to someone's office. Paul brings a piece of paper to Lois, 
who is sitting at, at a desk with Ken and Harry, and he says... He, now, wait a minute. Yes. This is a fun little continuity thing because uh-huh. she is no longer at the switchboard. Okay. And didn't she say when PPP was first buying them out, if one of you gets to say, please get me off the switchboard. Oh. Here she is in an office. Okay. She's not at the switchboard. So somebody got her out of there. Okay. I hope so. Because I'm guessing that... I'm taking that as canon. I like it. I hadn't thought of that at all. I, I, I'm only thinking, like, that's not her desk, though. She was sitting there when they all came up to her. They were all just sitting at that desk. It was, it, she doesn't have her own office. She's, no, but maybe she's a secretary in somebody's office or something. But secret, we went over this with Hooker. Secretaries don't sit in offices; they sit outside of All offices. All right. Well, I'm just saying she's not on the switchboard. I like that. Okay. I think that is all I'm saying. True. Now, if we ever see her back at the switchboards, mm-hmm. we're going to ignore it. Yes. It doesn't then, exist. Then it's going to be like, oh, she must have gotten fired from that cushy office job that exactly. she had. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, Paul tells her these are ideas you can skip some if you want but do not go out of order so Peggy's phone rings and we realize they are prank calling Peggy yeah, like did you Peggy. have any idea what that was about when it no. started well as soon as they called Peggy I knew what it was about right but yeah but, when they said these are ideas I was like what ideas the fuck are you talking about exactly yeah. I was like what did I forget happened <laughs> here and so Peggy's phone rings she introduces herself uh, Lois introduces herself as Elaine She's a secretary for a tannery in New Jersey, and the smell uh, makes animals go crazy, and so she can't have animals, but she needs a place near a major hospital because my face is very badly burned, and I need frequent prescriptions for unguents and salves. (laughs) I laughed so hard when she said that. Unguents. (laughs) I need frequent prescriptions. About the bathroom. I'm going to need some help there. Yeah, and that's when Peggy knows. <laughs> because everyone Everyone's laughs on the other up. side. Yes. And she says, who is this? You're a jerk. Yeah. And she slams the phone. She stands up and she sits down. She's very angry. She's very mad. <laughs> Which she deserves to be. Yeah. But I need frequent prescriptions a, for unguents and good prank. Makes me very happy. <laughs> All right, so we got... Gene at this. Gene loves his goddamn kitchen table. He's been at this kitchen table with Betty. Yeah. He was at it with Bobby. Yeah. Now he's at it with Sally. Whew. He's just at this kitchen table. Fucking either they there or in the car. Right. That's he also it. loves cars. Yeah. So he is salting ice cream. Is that something you've ever done or seen? No. Done? Yeah, I don't. I've salted watermelon. Right. That's good. Yeah, it's it's supposed to enhance. Yeah. Flavor and of course, you know, salted chocolate. Yeah, salted I caramel. I bet salted ice cream would be tasty. Probably is. Maybe I'll try it later. I think you should okay. report back. All right. Great. I probably won't try that. That's fine. God forbid one bite of ice cream have a little salt on well, it. I don't have any ice cream at my house. Oh. I'd have to buy some ice cream. Oh. Which now, listen, that's not a terrible idea. Right. Oh no. We'll see. We'll see what happens when I leave here. I have some ice cream. I will probably forget about this though. Okay. We'll see. Well, yours is dairy free though, so maybe it's different. Mm. Well, oh we have well. to try. We'll, we'll have to try all kinds. I had some dairy ice cream this weekend. It was really good. Okay. I like to treat myself sometimes. All right. Get it, girl. <laughs> I'll have a lot of uh, pimples next week. Pay for it. <laughs> so Sally asks why he does it, and he says that he's got a salt tooth. A salt tooth. Very cute. I also have a salt tooth. Yeah? More than a sweet tooth. Is for that sure. right? Oh, for sure. I will take salty crunchy over yeah. sweet any day. 
I have, I think, an exact equal amount of salt teeth and sweet teeth. Yeah. Because I sometimes, I just want to eat gummies. And sometimes mm. I just want to eat yeah. popcorn. You like candy. See, I don't like candy. Oh, I do like candy. You do. You like, <laughs> like candy, candy. I like chocolate. Yeah. And ice cream. Yeah. I, I don't will like say candy. A lot of the candy bars I grew up with don't taste as good to me anymore, like Paydays or Baby Ruth's or Butterfingers. Interesting. But gummies taste good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like candy. I'm a small child. So Sally says that mommy doesn't let us have ice cream before dinner. And then we finally get to see. So this whole series, Betty is obsessed with her looks. And you know that comes from parents. Right. Her mom's dead and her dad is about to die. But in this one moment, we get to see what she grew up with. Right. Which So Jean tells Sally, is she afraid you're going to be fat like she was? Your grandma Ruth used to drive her to town to run errands and make her walk herself home. Yeah. That put a stop to it. Yikes. Whew. Poor Betty. Whew. Yeah. So Sally only remembers that Grandma Ruth gave her a ukulele. But Jean says that he she remind Sally reminds him of Ruth mm-hmm. more than Betty does and tells her, You can really do something. Don't tell your let your mother tell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. Which the Matt Zoller Sice article points out, Betty and Don have never told Sally that she could, you know, grow up to be whatever she wanted. Yeah. Gene, like, sees her. Yeah. He lets her drive. Yeah. You know, he he's very, he loves her. He, he's he gives a good her that grandpa. book to, like, read and, like. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's got a, he's got a good grandpa vibe. Yeah, I mean, this happens a lot. There are times where people are better grandfathers yes. than they are fathers. That was true of my grandpa. I have no doubt. And I'm sure it's true of my dad. Yeah. Not to my children, because he's not allowed (laughs) to see them, because he was a horrible father. Well, yeah. But if people get the chance. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I I mean, that's... It just... It makes sense. It's a shame. Yeah. And it makes it so complicated, because, like, a grandkid's relationship is different from their parents' relationship, and that gets hard. Right. Uh, So, we see Gene is a good one. He is... He's... Plays with Sally is going to be a lookout for Betty while she eats ice cream. They're being real cute. Yeah. And then he says, mm, tastes like chocolate, but it smells like oranges. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you feel about that? I was like, that? oh, he's having a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. He's that like, was, you smell that? Yeah. Yeah. It was a really like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Something, something's bad happening. Especially, and we can look at it now, like, it's not that, like, they don't knock you over the head with it. But he's, like, settling his affairs with mm-hmm. all of them, mm-hmm. giving Bobby this helmet and right. stuff and giving the papers to Betty and giving this advice to Sal. So he's, it's like when a cat knows they're going to, don't listen to this, Ferris. It's like when a cat knows they're going to die and they just kind of wander off. Oh, yeah. They and, just find a secluded place. Yeah. yeah. It's like they're, he's preparing himself. Right. In some way. So we're in a restaurant because Pete had said, we take you to dinner. Yeah. And... A waiter is cracking an egg on the side table. Table, he's making like it's Caesar dressing. Caesar dressing. Yeah, so that's Thank a you. classic thing, especially back yes. then. They do it sometimes now, but it's harder to find because of like salmonella and yeah. whatever. 
But yeah, you crack an egg, you you mince okay. up anchovies, you get all the stuff, you crack an egg mm-hmm. right in there, you pour the oil in, like you make the whole yeah. dressing in the bottom of the bowl, right there at the table. I love it. And then you throw in the lettuce, the parmesan, the croutons, mix it all up, put it on their plates. I love this. Yeah. Okay. And I they did, at the end of the scene, put salads on their plates. I, like, I just couldn't quite, it was like not knowing the word nursery or, <laughs> or, or midwife, yeah. where it was like, I know there's something... That they're making here, so thank you for being smart. You're welcome. Knowing that, and I like how I don't know history, but I do know food. It's like it's been replaced. The modern version is guacamole table side. Mm. Another thing that's way more expensive than it should be because they should just make it in the kitchen. Listen, I just so you know, yeah. I don't know if you've ever had it. I make really good guacamole. I mean, you've talked about it on this very podcast have I? before. I'm talking about it again. You may, I may have had it like if you had it at a party or something. I don't. Know that I have. Yeah. It's a lot to make for a whole party, I guess. Well, I make a lot. Now, listen, I make a party size for me and Justin all the time, and that's just dinner. We yeah. just eat guacamole and uh-huh. chips, yeah. which is fine. <laughs> but it's, I make yeah. damn good guacamole. Right. Just so you know, I'll make it for you anytime. Okay. Anytime you want. It will be judged against my mother's, but I will allow you to. Would do you like it. me to make some for your birthday party? Sure. Okay. <laughs> all right. Friends, I've got a party coming up. <laughs> I hope you've all got me something good. <laughs> so Ho-Ho is telling, so it's just Pete, Don, and Ho-Ho. Ho-Ho says a year from now, there'll be nothing but rum and Mexican beer in this place. You ever have Mexican beer, humps? And Pete Ooh. says, I don't drink a lot of beer. And Ho-Ho tells him that you have to drink it when you're in Mexico because of all the dysentery and you can't right. trust the water. Right. So that's where rum and Mexican beer come from. Okay. Because he thinks High is going to be so fucking big. Right. That even this fancy ass tableside Caesar salad restaurant in Manhattan is Ugh. only going to have. Oh, ho, ho. Rum and Corona. <laughs> I don't like ho-ho. I don't either. I don't like him. I don't yeah. like many things. Yeah. Ho-ho is one of them. Yeah. I'm just saying. So you do mean to say there are a lot of things that you don't like? Yes. Okay. In this episode, I have named Betty, yeah. Bobby, and now Ho-Ho. <laughs> <laughs> I respect it. I like Ho- I like Horace Sr., though. I like Ho-Ho. I don't like Ho-Ho-Jo. Oh, okay. Ho-Jo. 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 I don't like Ho-Jo. So Ho-Ho, <laughs> now he wants JFK to do an ad oh, for yeah. High Life. He wants JFK endorsing High Life. Yeah. And he says that his dad hate, and it's like there's a there's a reason, and it's partly because his dad hates JFK back from back when they were criminals together. Yes. So I guess they knew each other as young criminals. Yes. And so they're all talking about fathers. Don said that Jack Kennedy ended up with a better job than his father. I think his father was like the head of the military or some shit like that. Is that a thing? I have no idea. But also a ho ho senior apparently called Patchy a wetback. So oh, I see. Hojo yeah. is pissed yeah. about that. That's why he wants to best his father, because he called Patchy a wetback. That's really cruel. And it sounds like Ho-Ho and Patchy... I, do you think Ho-Ho and Patchy know each other? I think Ho-Ho knows Patchy. Patchy doesn't know Ho-Ho. Do you think Ho-Ho has a crush on Patchy? I think Ho-Ho has a definite crush on Patchy. Yeah. there's some. He wants to be Patchy. He, yeah. I bet Patchy's father is proud of him. He doesn't know how he feels about Patchy, but he's yeah. feeling some kind of way. Yeah. About he's, him beyond his yeah. athletic abilities. Right. Yeah. So I will say uh, John Kennedy, no, Joseph Kennedy Sr. He was the chair of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission in from 34 to 35. 
chair of the U.S. Maritime Commission from 37 to 38, U.S. Ambassador to the United States, bazillionaire. Bazillionaire. Uh, he sold scotch. He acquired RKO Studios. Oh. He's a rich guy. Okay. Married Rose, had some kids. One of them was a junior. They all died horrible deaths. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to a podcast last week with Cheryl Hines, who is Larry plays Larry David's wife on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. right. And like it was just like a podcast with, you know, it's never not funny, so lower level, you know, comedian type. Mm-hmm. Just like not like big it wasn't Conan or whatever. Sure. And so at the end of it, she just mentioned that her husband is RFK Jr. And like no one knew how to handle that information. Really? <laughs> like, oh wait, you are You're a Kennedy. You're a Kennedy. You're like step uncle is JFK. Like you are that is That's crazy. And like they were kind of stunned and then they were just started talking about how like how are we supposed to what are we supposed to do with it? And it was really <laughs> satisfying, but also like so weird that the Kennedys are still like among us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ho Ho Senior doesn't like him. Pete's father would have loved investing in Hyalog. Oh man. His kind of investment. Oh man. And Ho Ho is like, my father didn't do shit. He all he did was he got troops to Germany during the <laughs> World War. That's all he did. Right. On transports. I could really do something. I'll be the father of this sport, and people are gonna be dying to do business with me, even my father. Oh yeah. His his dream that he sees is that on his father's 75th mm. birthday, mm. he gifts him a team. Wow. Ugh. Please don't say? ever gift me a team. <laughs> oh, damn. Of any sport. Oh, jeez. Oh. Uh, can we take a real break real quick? <laughs> I need to call my financial advisor. All right. And also the New England Patriots. <laughs> Robert Kraft is going to be so mad at me. I made a promise. <laughs> Listen, you undo that shit. I want none of it. Honestly, it's probably better for my bottom line if I okay. don't try to buy the Patriots well, for right. you. So Don actually tries to talk him out of it. <laughs> yeah, he gives some advice. Yeah. And he's like, you have a fortune, and that is not just your money, but it's also like who you are. Right. Your future. You you have this name and this these contacts and all of this. Uh, you should reevaluate this particular obsession. You can do better. And Ho-Ho's an idiot. And he's like, that's a sales technique. Oh, yeah. He you... thinks he's trying to, to mm-hmm. reverse psychology him. Yeah. <laughs> and he had read a book by, he says, Ogilvy, and Don calls him Ogilvy. Ogilvy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, he knows some tricks. So I looked that up. It's a book called Confessions of an Advertising Man, a 1963 book by David Ogilvy. Okay. And it's considered required reading in many advertising classes. The book is written as though the entire book was advertising copy with sections like how to manage an advertising agency, how to write potent copy, how to make good television commercials, and stuff like that. Interesting. it, It was published in August of 63, so Ho-Ho says he got galleys of that book. So that's, you know, when it's just like a bunch of printouts mm. of the book before it's actually set. And this is June of 63. So right. anyway, that one lines up, even okay. if George Kahn didn't really direct anything. So let's get one thing straight. 
Ashley. Oh, shit. If High Alive fails, it's, it's your, your fault. fault. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. And Pete says, don't apologize. Everybody thinks that. Nobody says Nobody it. Nobody says it. And there's a very similar statement made later mm. um, that I didn't really realize until just now. Okay. We're back in the break room, and Peggy takes down the blue card. Someone has drawn a red circle around it and says, hi, Peggy. They, they, they draw right around Margaret. Right. <laughs> They're like, you're not fooling us. Right. And Joan comes in. In an unbelievable teal dress. I, I called it turquoise. All right. I'll listen. In, but to me, it's in that, is teal. It's in that family. Tell us about it. That's all. It's got big buttons on the left. Yeah. I think just the fact that she's in it, that color. That color on her, her with her hair. She's just amazing. Oh. Because it's like we talk about mm. she wears jewel tones, but her hair and skin and eyes are also jewel tones. Yes. So she is just like a piece of jewelry. She's incredible. Wandering around all the time. Yes. And she's so fun in this scene. And she asks yeah, she's so Peggy, cute. are you removing that or moving it? And Peggy asks, did everybody in Manhattan decide I'm not allowed to live here? And Joan tells her, no, in fact, I think the right curl could have a very good effect on you. I do, however, find your ad unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a fun way of using the word unfortunate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just like a period at the end of that. Right. <laughs> and... And Peggy's like, it's perfect. I proofed it thoroughly. <laughs> but it reads like stage directions from an Ibsen play, mm-hmm. who was known for being dry, I suppose. And Peggy thinks that Joan is going to try to help her just to prank her again. Right. But uh, she says, no, I thought I'd tell you how to get a roommate. This is not the way. And walks away. I wrote she had Alexis Rose energy. Oh, okay. From Schitt's Creek. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, and then she turns back around because mm-hmm. Peggy's like, "Well, but, but yeah. wait a minute, but what? what Please, what, what would I write? Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing." Mm-hmm. Uh, she she asks why she said Margaret, not Peggy. Right. It's because she's grown up. Because Peggy has been fighting for legitimacy and for people to take her seriously all this time, and now a way to do this. And this is things that frustrate me. I thought I was doing good in this one thing. Now I gotta act a different way. Why can't people just love me for who I am? We do. It's a lie. Oh. Just act like yourself and people will like you. It's not true. It might be true with friends. <laughs> it's not true in business. Yeah. Or a lot of times in relationships. Yeah. It's not true. I'm telling young people out there, don't believe anything you hear. <laughs> Conform. If you want to succeed. No. Yes. Listen. Yes. Okay, now I would would say listen to me, but my boss is real mad at me because I don't conform. (laughs) My boss hates me and has a target on my back, so. Because out the gate, I was like, I'm not following your stupid bureaucratic rules that don't make any sense. Fuck that. And I'm like, oh, we hate you. Yeah. That's the thing. But listen. Yeah. I'm happier this way. Okay. Because, yeah. sure, you hate me, but that's a ridiculous reason to hate me because I know that I'm right. And that's, I mean, a lot of what it comes down to is maybe there are just other places, there's other ways to be, but also I just want to live my fucking life and not be fighting all the time. So don't. I, but if I need, I, I just got to learn the rules, you know? No, no, no. It's the fact no one ever taught me the there rules. There are no rules. Yes, there are. No! 
There's this, everyone in Manhattan got together and decided that I couldn't know what they were. Well. Look, I need to. Peggy's not being herself. That's the problem. Oh. That's okay. the problem. She's not being herself. She's yeah. putting on an act. And that's why people aren't buying it. She's putting on work act. But she's, she's not trying to find a work roommate. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying is like. She's got, she's, she's putting on the wrong facade because right. it worked for her in that she's, context. Listen, every time she puts on a facade, yeah. it doesn't work. It only works when she goes back to being herself. Okay. Right? When she tried yeah. to be sexy lady and go to the strip club, she felt awkward and uncomfortable. I don't know about that. Mm. I think, I think that was a success. I think she didn't feel great about it. She didn't But feel she great achieved about her it. goals. But, not, but, but by False means. Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't want to find a roommate right. by false means. Because you got to fucking live with that person. Oh, yeah. So you got to be yourself. Oh, yeah. So it's not that she's not following the rules. Yeah. It's that she's trying to follow rules that don't actually exist and she shouldn't try to follow. I agree. If she's Peggy Olsen, yeah. you sign your name Peggy Olsen. Hell yeah. All right. I say this as someone who also signs Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I think like... Is the government going to see this? <laughs> Does the government look at my Amazon package return addresses? It doesn't. Mm. It doesn't. Does... See, even Funny. Ferris is telling you. Ferris calls me Katie because he's from Alabama. Bloom calls me Kate because he's from Michigan. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So, Peg, uh, Joan says that... It's not about being a, an adult. This is about two young girls in Manhattan. Exactly. This is about an adventure. Right. Am I wrong? No. And she says, if this were me, I would say it was something something like fun-loving girl, responsible sometimes, likes to laugh, lives to love, seeks size six for city living and general gallivanting, no dull moments or dull men tolerated. <laughs> or something like that. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and don't put it up here where everyone knows you. Branch out. Branch out. She, like, uses her white-gloved hands yes. to show roots branching out. And Peggy immediately sits to, like, just write down whatever it was she mm-hmm. said. I assume. Oh, yeah. She writes that down word yeah. for word. I mean, that's... But she's still not being herself. Now she's being Joan. Should Joan be a copywriter? Because <laughs> she just came up with yes. that shit. Joan she... is being severely underutilized. Yes. We learned that with Harry Crane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's so... Quick and smart, and she's such a problem solver. Joan can do whatever the fuck she wants, because she walks around looking like that with that teal dress, (laughs) sassy, and smart, and wonderful, and plays the accordion, so. has this beautiful voice, speaking and singing. You know what, she gets this trumpet trumpet for that copy. Because she's just like, Mm -hmm. girl. Because Don said that what Peggy and he do, they solve problems. Right. Joan is absolutely a problem solver. Oh, yeah, if nothing else. Yeah. She cleans up another mess later in this episode. Oh, boy. So we see Don is awake in bed. Uh, Betty's asleep. And he goes to his office and he takes out a box from that locked drawer that's yeah. just full of money. I told you. Yeah. Betty couldn't. She found it when she was digging through his drawer. She yeah. found it. But she's like, I don't know what this is. But you know what he, you know what, though? He made $500,000 and he replenished that that I gotta leave town with five grand store. Yeah. He put he put that money right back in that Yeah. He's got a go bag. People who who gotta get up and go, like Don Draper and Eleanor's mom in the good place. Yeah. They gotta go when they gotta go. Yeah. Well 
What Don finds is a box of photographs. Yes. Including a picture of his dad and stepmother, Archibald and Abigail, from 1928. And he really looks up close at that father's face. This is really the only time he, this picture comes up. Yeah. What did you think of it? I thought that's his parents. Okay. I mean, like, this is coming off of him thinking about fathers and sons. Yeah. And, like, who raises who to be what. Well, I imagine he's thinking about Gene. Yeah. Because Gene's getting old. Gene's clearly, something's going on. Uh Uh-huh. But didn't his dad get kicked in the face by a horse? That's the story (laughs) we've heard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I... I really don't know what he's thinking at that point. I don't but either. it it just is it's interesting. One thing that this the Matt Solar Seist article points out is that even though he has nothing but contempt outwardly for his past, mm-hmm. he still keeps all these photographs. Mm-hmm. He still like has to go and look at them sometimes. Right. And that connection to your parents, it's like he no matter what he does, no matter where he goes and changes his name and his life, mm-hmm. he's still, that's still his father, and he there's nothing he can do about it. And right. so he's like kind of, I don't know, there's just a connection there that he can't deny. And he wants to, that's like all he can do is just yeah. look at this picture. So we're back in the office, and Pete catches Don as he's walking in the whole bullpen and said, Horace Cook Jr. is all dressed and ready for the oven. And suggests that Don deliver, like, those final documents to Lane. And then we see in an office, so this is Lane's office. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ken is, like, pinned to the wall because he he and Moneypenny have the big... what, what Scoop, the highlight Sesta, scoop. Yeah. the big scoop thing. And they're just, like, using it like swords, <laughs> like, yes. hitting each other with it. And he's up against the wall and there's, like, a big metal globe behind him that's mm-hmm. just banging around. And this is the office that used to be Bert Peterson's. Right. And so it used to be Bert Peterson's. Then Joan gave it to John Hooker. To Money Penny. To Money Penny. Right. And then, well, maybe it's not anybody's. It's not Lane's office. This is just like. It's the spare office. It's the spare office. For when Britain comes to town. So Don asks Pete if he's following him to this office. And Pete says, I spent two years at Dartmouth hiding him from Shylock's. Let me enjoy my payday. So now we, like, this is, we're almost done with the entire fucking episode. And we find out that Pete went to Dartmouth with Ho-Ho. Mm-hmm. Like, we, it was implied, but now we know. Shylocks is another term for, like, loan sharks. So I guess Pete, and it's, I think it's relatively derogatory because it's mainly, um, it's describes, like, Jewish usurb, us, usurers, usurers. Okay. I thought I would know how to say that name out loud when I tried. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because it's usury. Usurers. Anyway. Okay. I think it's probably a pejorative. Sure. For, that has racial un- undertones. Um, but Pete is like, hey, I made sure he kept his money <laughs> for all that time. Yeah. And now I'm taking this money. So the, at this point, Money, Penny, and Ken are playing catch. Harry and Paul are watching. And Don comes in and says, Mr. Hooker, can Lane stop by the clubhouse? And it's like, they're kind of like, oh, the boss caught us, you know, fucking around. But then Don gets into it. He's being silly. He's so silly. Paul, because he's a know-it-all, starts telling him information. So the scoops are called cestas, and they're made of reeds from the Pyrenees. And Harry says that the ball's called a pelota. So 
this, there's just a moment where Don puts the cest on his hand, yeah. takes the ball, and just dumps it in the in the pocket, and it just, like, turns and, la- and smiles at Pete. Uh-huh. And he's like, look at that. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I don't know why I loved it. And so we know that Ho-Ho wants it to be the NJAA, which is National High Lie Association. Right. Don says he has no idea how confused America is going to be about that, that J. J. Mm-hmm. Which is so true. So Lane looks at, you know, comes in and says, look at this camaraderie. Perhaps we found America's pastime after all. I informed the home office there was a flutter of adding machines. And they're just all giddy because they just made a lot of money. It's just yep. a fattened cow that they are yep. slicing up now. And he, Don tells him, you heard him, boys. Don't stop till you see the whites of his pockets. Yeah. And then calls out Cosgrove. And what does he do? He whips this damn ball <laughs> right into Burt Cooper's, that was in Burt Peterson's, uh-huh. ant farm. He just fucking whips that thing. Goes right through the glass. And right he says, well, it. bill it to the kid. Yeah. And ants are just pouring yeah. everywhere. I want to know... About did he actually do that? Did did is that is that John Ham whipping a ball into a glass ant farm? I'm sure it's sugar glass and sand. I mean, I'm just thinking because the aim that that would take mm. to do that so perfectly. I'm gonna say yeah. I like to think he did. There's a so it makes me think of Breaking Bad, which was happening, you know, airing the same time as Mad Men. Right. You haven't seen Breaking Bad, right? None of it. There's a scene, so Walter White, the main character, is, like, trying to win the affections of his wife back. And so he comes home with the, literally, like, the biggest to-go, like, pizza that you could ever get. Like, I had heard about when they were doing this, they were, like, looking, scouring for a pizza place that could make a giant pizza. And they were always just like, no, bigger! We just need a bigger pizza. (laughs) And so he's got this comically large pizza which is in itself a funny thing to have yes and then when he's rejected he walks out and he's in the driveway with and he's like so mad he's just grumbling to himself and he just flings it like a discus onto the roof oh and the pizza comes out perfectly lands on the roof and he did that himself in real life in real life and i think it might have been like the one take like i he just did it and wow. I don't know what kind of rehearsal went into it. Yeah. But. That's amazing. It's just that kind of like minor stunt. Yeah. That is just very cool <laughs> for someone to do. I don't know. I like it. Thank you for that Breaking Bad background. I like the Breaking BBB. Bad around. Breaking, Breaking Bad background. Breaking Bad background. It's a great television program. I've heard. Eh, yeah, whatever. So we're back in the car. I think. Oh, Grandpa Gene. At least he's driving this he's time. He's driving this time. Yes. Bobby's eating an English muffin. And Grandpa's pissed about that. He's like, you don't eat in the car. So I was like, I already <laughs> ate breakfast. She is such a little Grandpa's girl. Yes, yeah, she point. is. Ugh, Sally. So he tells her, like, you know, picking you up for ballet. Don't make me wait. I'll be there at three on the dot. Oh, yeah, he's grumpy now. Because he's had a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably it. Yeah. He asks uh, what fruit she wants. And he's going to buy fruit. And she says, peaches, please. And Bobby says, peaches, give me a rash. And he just yells, your sister likes them. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. Yeah. Poor Bobby. (laughs) Poor Bobby. Everybody's hating on Bobby. Everyone's telling him, yelling at him. He can't Uh, do anything right. Poor kid. (laughs) He's going to grow up to be something. Maybe he's going to grow up to be Bernie Mm. Madoff. 
You think so? Bobby Madoff. Bobby Madoff. Yeah. Because he's the son. I mean, like, I don't know about Bernie Madoff, but I imagine the son of a wealthy Wall Street man yeah. would be primed yeah. to become even wealthier. Yeah. We'll have to check. We'll That's have to, Bobby Madoff. We'll have to keep an eye on Bobby Madoff. All right, Madoff. I'm tracking it. Is Should uh, the Bobby alarm also be applied to Bobby Madoff? Yes. Bobby, 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 Bobby. <laughs> yes. So we see Peggy is eating a sandwich in her office, and Karen Erickson comes in. Who is this actress? Well, let's find out. She looked so familiar, but I don't know what I know her from. Justin knew her from Bones, I think, but I never watched Bones, because that's dumb. Carla Gallo plays Karen Erickson. She is known for Neighbors, Superbad, Get Him to the Greek. Oh, Okay, I must know her from Superbad and get him to the Greek. <gasps> Wait a minute, let me look at her face again. She was also in Bones. That's what I just said. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, like I really, I missed some of the things you said. <laughs> oh, great. Sorry. Thank you. She, I mean, I... Who was she in Superbad? All right. Let me look at her face again. Uh, period Blood Girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what other movie did you say she was in? Let's see. Super. Oh, get him to the Greek. Yeah. Mission Impossible 3. Her face is just so familiar. Undeclared. I also saw that. <gasps> That's what I know her from. She was the toe-sucking girl in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Okay, I also saw that. Okay, so I've seen her in lots of things. She's, like, had a really good career for someone you'd, like, what a... All right. Like, good for Carla Gallo. Good for her. Yeah, I knew that I knew her face. Yeah. Yeah, 40-Year-Old Virgin, the toe-sucking girl, period, mm-hmm. blood girl. Poor thing. <laughs> yeah. She can't get yeah. a name to save her life. She can't get a good name, but I mean, just, I, I really have come to love seeing, like, the IMDb pages of, like, working actors. Yeah. Because I know there are so many people who fail at it, and just, like, and how all of those people probably had a lot of anxiety and fear starting out, mm. and just, like, good for... They've been consistently working, and those are all really big projects. Like, yeah. she's obviously very, like, known to casting directors, yeah. but, but then, like, doesn't get hassled on the street, probably. It's just a perfect life. What if she does? What if people run up to her and they're like, period, blood girl! <laughs> I mean, she probably does get that from yeah. time to time. Yeah. Toe-sucking girl, look at my yeah. toes! Yeah, those are two rough ones. They're not great. In two major, major films. Major. And those are yeah. both pretty big moments in those films. I I, I don't remember Blood them exactly. Blood also happens with Toe Sucking Girl. Oh, Lord. Because she's sucking his... He's a 40-year-old virgin, right? Yeah. And this is one of his, like... He keeps having flashbacks to his early experiences mm. where it almost happened but didn't. Okay. And he's making out with her. Yeah. And she goes to suck his toes and he's uh-huh. too ticklish and he kicks her in the face. <laughs> oh, God. And her nose is bleeding oh, no. and she's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. So, there's blood there as well. All right. So, she is, like, on her CV. It's, like, okay to work with blood. Yes. Definitely. Well, she's not bloody in this episode. I listened to an episode. This is kind of unrelated, but I'm going to tell you Uh my name. Please. Of Radiolab. Yeah. And I forget what the overall theme was, but they were talking to... Probably. (laughs) They were talking to a Hollywood props guy. Okay. And he was talking about the fake blood that's used in movies, and they all have specific names. Mm. One of them is called Bloody Real Blood. Ooh. So, like, if you're a Hollywood movie producer and uh-huh. you want blood in your movie, you can order Bloody Real Blood. Okay. There's, like, Real Blood. There's Squish Blood. Like, they all have uh-huh. these unique names. Yeah. But they're, like, actual things. Yeah. Like, you just order some right. Bloody Real Blood. And I-, I really like knowing that. <laughs> is Bloody Real Blood the 
the brand name? No, it's the it's the that, kind that is of, one of many. Yes. Okay. It's one of and it's yeah. like having to do with consistency yeah. and color and viscousness. Exactly. Is it going to be shooting out? Exactly. Or is it going to be dried on somebody? Right. Is it goopy, drippy yeah. in a wound? Or is that it just might be dribbling bloody real blood? out of the nose? Exactly. Is somebody crying blood? So many questions to answer. There's well. You gotta have your ducks and in a row before you order blood. And this is the insight that I like to know mm-hmm. for my Foley artist career. Yes. I can't just know about Foley work. Yes. I need to know about the props, guys. You gotta be like Sal. You can't depend on right. one area of because your you industry. know what. What's you that? know what? One day those Foley artists are gonna mm-hmm. be replaced with a keyboard with sounds already pre-programmed. One day. One day. One they day will hasn't be. happened yet. Nope. Hasn't at happened at yet. this point, everyone still has one person. Everyone's going <laughs> with their mouths. Uh, listeners, I'm completely naked now. <laughs> completely naked. So what is she? She works on the first floor. The first floor loved Peggy's humorous ad. Oh, yeah. We don't know what this ad was, but I'm just going to say it's Jones. it was word for word Jones. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because it was a great ass ad. And Peggy's not a dummy. No. So what is it? I wrote she was a flight attendant. That, was she a travel agent? What did she, she was do? Some, she was something, but she was dressed all in yellow. Yeah. She, she looked very cute. She works on the first floor, but there's only one woman there, and she's married to the boss, and so yeah. she's not... Because she, like, she's impressed by Peggy's uh, office. And Peggy says, well, I'm fun, and I like to have fun. Fun. Yeah, she's very awkward. She's very funny in this. Yeah, she is. And Karen is not awkward. No. She, the last girl kept her door shut all the time, and she thinks that her, you the should... Last, her last roommate. Right. Last right. roommate. Kept her door shut. You should only do that for one reason. And Peggy's like, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but she did get married out of that. The roommate did. Yeah. So, which is why, presumably, Karen is looking for another one. Yeah, exactly. So Peggy doesn't have a steady, but Karen has some rules. There's so many interesting men out there, except sailors. I don't like sailors. One, one of, I have a couple of rules. One of them is I don't like sailors. And Peggy says, no sailors. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy has never once thought about sailors in no. her whole life. No. And Karen says, Peggy Olson, I have to ask, are you Swedish? Because I am. <laughs> and Peggy is like, uh-oh. I, Peggy, like, knows this is an issue. Yeah. And she just, like, sadly says Norwegian. Yeah. And there is a long silence. <laughs> and Karen says, well, we won't tell my we parents. We won't tell my parents. And Peggy later lies to her mom about the same thing. Right? Who, who cares about like we? Don't, I don't care about the, the rivalries between Nordic countries. No. But clearly they do. In the sixties, that's all they talked about. We couldn't they talked about how World War Two was happening right then and there. Uh huh. And they and it talked... was mostly caused because of the tensions between Norway and Sweden. Exactly. Yeah. That was a hard And they were trip. like, man, when can we go mm-hmm. to this new national pastime called High Life? <laughs> That's all they talked about. Uh, and so, a lot yeah. of people said, blah, 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 Johnny. <laughs> so it just hasn't come up in this yeah. show yet, but yeah. it was constant I, all the time. I mean, they should really have done another pass with, like, these cultural references because I feel like there yeah. aren't enough of them in no, Mad Men. No, listen, they, like, they focused on how people looked. Yeah. They didn't do enough about how they talked. They really didn't. So. People were telling Johnny to do all kinds of shit. They were like, Johnny, get it together! <laughs> and, you know, Matthew yeah. Weiner was like, I, I, don't, I don't like that name. We're not going <laughs> to use it. I'll get close with Don. Yeah. 
That's as far as I'm going. Yeah. That's how he sounds in my brain. I'm sure that's right. So. Mm. I need to note that I'm pretty sure either Norway or Sweden were like Nazi sympathizers. And I almost wonder if some of that might affect a rivalry between them. But also, we know that ancient countries have ancient rivalries. So there's, And I I'm refuse sure to learn any of that history. Absolutely not. I just made some up. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm doing. Please don't come at me, Nordic people. You're all so tall and beautiful. You don't need yeah, anything from me. Get it out of here, you, Norwegians. You have it all already. And Swedes. <laughs> God. So Peggy, You like, know who looks Swedish? Who looks Swedish? Betty. Yeah. Well, she looks she, Swedish as hell. I mean, she does say my people are Nordic. Well, there you go. She tells Arthur that. There you go. Yeah. And those blonde-haired, blue-eyed people, where else could they come from? Nowhere. So Peggy is, like, way too busy to look for a room, uh, an apartment anytime soon. Right. And she has to work this Saturday, and that worries Karen. And she says, oh, not every Saturday. Never Saturday nights. I'm out in the city, ready for fun. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this is what people do, right? Yeah. And uh, they call each other roomy. Yeah. Really Very awkwardly. Strange. And then Peggy gives her a sandwich. Yeah. She's like, oh, I got you a sandwich. Who? I, <laughs> how, this is how people got murdered in the 60s. Okay. This is why in the 70s, the son of Sam yeah. was so successful. Oh, yeah. Because people were like, you just came up from the ground floor of this building. We're roommates now. Yeah. That's, that's weird. That is weird to me. <laughs> that's weird. Uh-huh. But what else were they? What else do you do? Interview people. Oh. Go out for coffee. Grab yeah, lunch. I kind of wonder if there was some. I mean, they had to have made contact somehow, and that was probably by phone. But like, here's my other question. What's up? Yellow girl. Yeah. I already forgot her name. Karen. Karen. Mm -hmm. She says that her last roommate got married. Right. Yeah, she does. Which means she already has an apartment. Theoretically, in Manhattan, or does she not live in Manhattan? Because otherwise, mm -hmm. why are they looking for brand new apartments, and where has she yeah. been living this whole time? I don't know the answer to any of those questions. This is continuity. <laughs> I'll have none I, of it. I mean, maybe there's they they need something that works for both of them. Who knows what if if they were able to hold on to the last lease? Maybe she's, you know, hanging out. Karen's probably actually living with a sailor right now. Yeah, and that's she's why just, she's so against them. Yeah, she's like, it's a real protesting too much mm, situation yes. with her and sailors. Yes. We know Karen loves a goddamn sailor. So outside the school, we can tell it's past 3 p.m. Sally is waiting on the curb in a full ballet outfit. Bobby's in the bushes doing something. Bobby's being Bobby. He doesn't have any buckets to put on his head no, or Yogi so Bear masks. he's got to be in a bush. He's in a bush, and Betty drives up. And it's clear she doesn't really know where Jean is. Mm. It's like, she must have, what must have happened is she went home, saw that neither Jean nor the kids were there, and then just drove to the school. Yeah. <laughs> to see if yeah, it's very the kids strange. were there. Unless somebody, mm -hmm. unless the school called yeah. home and talked to Carla, yeah. and Carla told Betty, yeah. and was like, hey, the kids are still there. That's true. I I almost wonder if, in my head in 1963, everyone at the school just went home. <laughs> All the adults just left at 3 o'clock. That's possible. That's like, possible. I wouldn't be surprised. That's possible. Ask somebody who went to school in the 60s. All right. Well, I know at least one that listens to this podcast. Hey. My dad would have been nine. Okay. In, in 1963. Yeah, so, like, my dad is... That's perfect. Like, Sally. <coughs> 
He's like Sally. Yeah, he's Sally. Your dad age. is like Sally in a lot of ways. So many ways. Yeah. Mostly uh, in the ballet outfits. Absolutely. He loves ballet. Right. He loves dogs. Yes. Just can't keep his face out of just like a sweet, sweet dog fur. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he steals money all the time <laughs> from old people. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. Yeah. So this is, there's just a really short moment where we see Joan is, we see her through the busted out ant farm. Yes. She's putting the most beautiful scarf over her mouth. Yes. Because apparently it smells really bad. Well, she's spraying bug spray. Yes, but she like, I, I guess that's true. Yeah. I thought she was disgusted by the smell before. No, no she, it is. An ant farm doesn't smell, but she's about okay. to spray chemicals all over. So she's just disgusted. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. There's bugs all over. Because I was thinking, are they all dead? And do do no. the carcasses of ants smell that no. bad? And if they're all dead, why is she spraying them? No. So thank you, Ashley. You're welcome. They're alive, they're crawling all <laughs> over, and she is here to kill them and doesn't want to breathe in the poisonous fumes. <laughs> We're at the point of the podcast that you are explaining the current episode to me. <laughs> Not even the past or the future. Just like what I saw two what hours you ago. You saw with your own eyes. <laughs> and wrote down. Right. All right. So we're back in the conference room. All right. Now, they're watching this patio ad. Yes. It. This girl that they found looks yeah. exactly like Anne Margaret. It's a fantastic They did such ad. a good job. I mean, yeah. it's like, I went on YouTube because then I wanted to look up the original opening uh-huh. again. Yeah. And somebody, I didn't watch it, but somebody has done a side-by-side. Ooh, that's perfect. Of the patio ad and yeah. the original Bye Bye Birdie. So eventually, maybe uh-huh. I'll watch it. But that, I would watch that. Yeah. That would be interesting to me. Yeah. Because it, I don't think it is a real ad. It never actually happened. Right. So they watched the ad in, in its entirety, mm-hmm. which is a long time for a TV show to yes. put a fake commercial on. And her singing voice is mm-hmm. so awful. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, my God. Oh. oh, my God. It was just so... I mean, and that's what they're going for, because Anne Margaret's is also... I mean, they say it in yeah. that episode, like, God, her voice is so shrill. Yeah. And this woman's voice is just so shrill. It's yeah, not pleasant to my ears. It sounded just the same as the Bye Bye Birdie song. Which is bad. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> it's a teenage girl singing. Okay. I don't care. It's stupid. It's very cringy. Because it's just, you know, bye-bye sugar, hello patio. Yes. And, like, talking about, I can eat cake now because I left room because I didn't drink a sugary drink. Right. You know, it's the reason that every woman in the 20, who was alive in the 20th century has an eating disorder. Right. But nobody likes it. The patio guys say it's not what they well, thought it would be. Well, sad. Like the yeah. Sterling Cooper guys like it. They they like they think it's well done, but they think the idea was stupid. But it wasn't their idea. But even them, they they know it's well done. They know that it is, and like Don says, it is shot for shot, exactly what they were look asking for. Right. It everything looks the the. But that's what they're saying is they can't put their finger on. It. Harry doesn't. Harry says he doesn't like it, and Roger says he doesn't like it. Um, Sal is looking at it from Sal's eyes in that he's the director, you know, of course he's going to like it. And so, and I think Ken is in the same mode. And like, they never actually say, this is amazing. Right. They just say, this is what you asked for. Right. And the patio guys just like can't accept it. And they say, instead of saying, if High Life fails, it'll be your fault. They say, I want to be magnanimous and say it's our idea and our failure, but it is a failure. And Don says, 
That is magnanimous. So I I just like nobody. Yeah, no one likes it. Nobody likes it. Roger says it's not Anne Margaret. Right. Well, that's sort of the thing. I can't put my yeah. finger on it. Yeah. Oh, and Peggy is so smug. Oh my gosh. She is so smug. She almost shimmies her shoulders yeah. as she's she leaving. She grins. <laughs> she just saunters out of that room like, you motherfuckers. I told you. I fucking told you so. I told you. Oh my God. And she's, because she's a fun loving girl now. She yeah. She can do things like that. Yeah. She goes out on a Saturday night. Yeah. With her new friend, Karen. Mm-hmm. So what I want to, what I'm wondering is like, what was wrong with it? And is it that it was made with the eye of someone who does not feel attracted to women? No, I think it's just that it was a terrible idea. Okay. Because it's shot, it, it's shot for shot, the bye yeah. bye birdie thing. It is a bad idea. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I just. It's shot exact. I mean, Sal did a great job. Yeah. I, I, I just hesitate to leave anything at face value. All right. Especially something that they dedicate this much time to. All right. And something that is so big a part of, like, Sal's storyline. Sure. Well, okay. Then the subtext is that it's because he's gay. Thank you. But. That's all I needed to really, hear. Really, that's not what it was. But okay. We'll go with that. I don't know. And it and it is, like, this ephemeral thing that they don't really put a finger, a, a yeah. name to. So, we're. We're back at the Draper's. And Sally is once again sitting on the steps in her ballet outfit, and an Austin police department officer drives up and comes to the door. Yeah. And Betty comes to the porch, and the cops, you know, asks if she knows Eugene Hofstadt and says, we regret to inform you he passed away. And Betty says, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is such terrible acting. <laughs> like, Sally looks more legitimately... Yeah. She Sally is a better over. actress than Betty. Probably, I think probably, yeah. yes. At nine years old. Yeah. However old <laughs> Kieran and Chipka was at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. she literally says, uh-huh. oh no. Uh-huh. Like, her <laughs> face doesn't change. It's so <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it's and she so just terrible. kind of like leans toward the column and then is like, okay, I'm fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they ask what he what happened, and the cop said that he collapsed in line at the A&P. And needs to know what to do with his body. And so the arrangements actually do need to start yeah. happening. She's yeah. got the folder. And so Betty and the cop go inside and just close the door on Sally. Yeah. And at this point, I think Sally was a little bit following instructions of, like, here's what you need to do next. Yeah. Because <laughs> she, like, very slow motion, like, almost puts her hand in the oh, doorknob. Oh, yeah. Then and like... then, like, puts her head against the door. Yeah. <laughs> She's very sad. Sally, so sad. I yeah. Think. She's very sad. She loves her yeah. grandpa, Jean. And her mother doesn't give two shits about her. No. Her mother is so fucking selfish. Yes. And thinks that the only thing that matters is that she is affected by things. And, like, because she's a daughter, but she doesn't realize that she's a mother, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that, you have to be both of them at some level. So we're back in the office. Sal comes into Don's office and says that he's bringing himself to the woodshed. And Don's like, yeah, I wish it happened to me. You know, I, ho- I hope it never happens to me that a client, right. I give him exactly what he asked for and he doesn't like it. Right. And so he kind of, he really eases Sal's worries a mm-hmm. lot. But the secretary interrupts him and says that Betty's on the phone and it's urgent. And of course he tells, she's telling him about the her dad dying. 
Don, I think, regrets having Sal stay in the office during this conversation. And he gets up to go and he says, don't ruin the only good thing to come of this. You are now a commercial director. And Sal asks, how do I know? You're not just saying that to make me feel better. And Don says, you'll know when I hire you again. So, hey. There you go. Go Sal. Sal did a great job. You did a great job. You did it, Sal. The moment you sign a client is the moment you start to lose them. There you go. They come and they go. Get out of here, patio. Get out of here. Your shit tastes bad anyway. No one likes you. Tab. Blah. There we go. There, well. <laughs> it's still around. Is it? I've never mm-hmm. had it. I haven't either. Okay. But I feel like they're competitors and I just want to hurt patio. <laughs> 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 see what see what a successful diet soda looks like. Yeah, there we go. So we're back in Anita's house. And Peggy is walking her mom with her eyes closed into the living room. And there is a new TV. They're going to surprise her. And it's beautiful, <laughs> is what, what's her name says. She says, an admiral, whoa, you must be doing well. Mm. And then Peggy asks her mom to sit down. She's going to break the news. Got to have a little talk with mama. So she's moving out of Brooklyn. Queens, where does she live? Brooklyn? Brooklyn sounds right. All right. It's one of those places. Yeah. And... Anita tries to leave and like doesn't want to be there and Peggy's like no you stay and tells her and once again gives her these reasons I've got a long commute I'm having trouble with my apartment and the mom's like oh yeah you can stay with us me and your father lived with grandma and grandpa for years your sister was born there it's like (laughs) hell yeah let's be a family right let's all live in one house together and holy shit Peggy tells her, I'm getting an apartment in Manhattan, and Catherine is so hurt. Oh, she's pissed. She's like... She's disowning her in this very moment. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. She's like, I see. I guess I'm the kind of mother who would rather have a new TV than a daughter. She's like, I got you a new TV because you needed one. You got me a new TV because you think I was born yesterday. You belong in the city. Oh, yeah. She's going to remind me of how stupid you think I am. Oh, uh, someday both of yous is gonna feel this broken heart I'm carrying. And then she says, You'll get raped, you know that? <laughs> oh, Lord. Jesus. And, but Peggy is just like, it's just as dangerous here. Right. It's no different, Ma. Peggy takes this and talks about it, and her sister talk about it, like, they don't take it as seriously as I think you and I might have taken. I, I, when Catherine started doing this, I was like, oh, no. This is the end of the world. <laughs> like this, when she was guilting her, she's just so mean. Yes. Oh yeah. Because and I, I don't make any assumptions. I did not grow up with a mother who was quite that mean. Mm. I think my mother might have. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just like she's lashing out. Oh yeah. Because. But I feel like that's what Catholics, Catholic moms do. Catholic sure. moms in the sixties. And just moms in general. Some of them, yeah. I mean, they're come on. All right. Quit, quit being anti-Catholic. I will not have that <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, on a podcast that is only made up of bad parents. <laughs> the, uh, no, this, the, the TV show is made up of bad parents. Right. Podcast, great parent. Thank you. Great parents. Thank you. I'm great to my cats. You're yes. great to your children. Okay. <laughs> she tells her about her roommate and tells her that she's Norwegian. She's Norwegian. Yeah. And Catherine's like, there's a man, isn't there? 
And she says, no. And she's like, why would I ever believe anything you say? And turns away from her when she tries to kiss her She tries her to give her a smooch yeah. and she won't let her. Which feels like she's guilting her about, like, the baby. Like, I, that's what I felt like. Why? That's the only thing I think Peggy has given her to not trust her, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. she knows about. Yeah. But then Anita tells her that wasn't so bad. She's been through a lot of change lately. The Holy Do- Father dying, that was really hard on her. <laughs> <laughs> Now, my great aunt, who is not Irish, but Cuban and very Catholic, she would, I think when Pope John, JP II came to Miami, I don't know that she went to see him, but she would like kiss the TV when he was on the TV. Oh my. People fucking love the Pope. I know that that's a thing. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I mean, mean, they love the Pope the way that people can love the president. You know? I also don't understand that. Sure. Sure. (laughs) But, I mean, I think... I think people love the Pope way more than people love the President. Yes. Way more fervently. And more people do. And more people do. I was trying to give an analogy. Uh, Thank you. I understand. I, I think we are in an age where our role models are a lot more diverse or dissipated. You know, everyone has their own major figure that they admire and respect but the pope's a big one (laughs) especially for you know these fucking catholics fucking catholics so we see sally in her place under the table still in her ballet outfit yeah it's very dark there's like the news is on when anita and peggy were talking you hear the tv turn yeah she turns the tv which is like kennedy talking the mom immediately starts watching the tv (laughs) after saying take it back i don't want it i you're gonna get raped i'm not gonna kiss you she turns the tv on right and I think it's the same broadcast yes. that's being played at the Draper household, yes. which is cool. It is cool. Betty's brother and sister-in-law, Judy and William, are there with her and Don. And William is just saying, Eugene Hofstadt, number two. Gene Hofstadt, number two. And Betty explains that, I guess, at the bank where he worked. there Not were... where he worked, but where he did his banking. Really? I think. Why would they have to give him a whole different name just for his bank? Well, because all of his, there was two of them at his bank. Yeah. I took that as meaning maybe he worked at a bank for some period but of time. But William works for, you don't make that much money just working at a bank. Sure you do. No. Have you not, have you not seen Mary Poppins? That's the whole lesson of Mary Poppins is that bank people make money. I'm so angry Listen. right now. <laughs> you don't think bankers make money? Listen, maybe in like Victorian England. I'm not saying he's a teller. Well, I think Mary you walk Poppins into... was not during Victorian England. Well, whenever either. it was, it was like Turn Edwardian England. It was like 17 years late. It was like 20 years later. Like 17 years later? No. What was Mary Poppins? Like turn of the century. When was the suffragette movement? Turn of the century. Okay. All right. Fine. Now, listen. Uh huh. You go to a Huntington Bank right now. You go to a Chase Bank branch. Uh-huh. Ain't nobody there making William Hofstadt's kind of money. I'm not talking about Well then they wouldn't the say 20s. at his 20s. They wouldn't say at his bank. Alright. Well I think it was where he did his <laughs> banking. Because they're getting all of his effects in Maybe order. that's true. And so you know how when you go to a bank and they give you a name the same way your kindergarten teacher would? Yes. That's what happened. So listen, he had to be called Gene Hotstep number two. Listen, in the 60s in some little podunk bank, 
Yeah. I bet that's true. Why do his kids give a shit about it then? Because they're getting his money out of his bank. Okay. They're getting his accounts in order. So if they I, have to know which Eugene Hofstadt is. If I go to a bank and the way they verify my identity is they ask me if I'm... are very different Are you the Katie Britt that's running for Senate or are <laughs> you the other Katie Britt? Well, Brit? Katie Britt doesn't say, bank at your I'm bank. I'm the Katie Britt that's running Listen, for Senate. this was before... All banks were connected electronically. You had your one branch. Uh-huh. You went to it. Yeah. Your money was in cash inside a vault. Everyone working it there were bumbling idiots numbers. that didn't know how middle names worked. Yes. Or social security numbers. Yes. Or even bank account numbers. Listen. Because I'm telling you. You know how when you go to a is. bank? I'm gonna go I'm gonna do another hypothetical. <laughs> I really love these hypotheticals. You go to a bank and they're like, Yes, just tell me your name. There is nothing else attached. There's no such thing as it's just a bank account name. Yeah. Bank account numbers, no. In the 60s? They didn't have numbers yet. I'm telling you, they just went by your name. Well, they were, the numbers were so deflated, they didn't have that many. Exactly. I, we are, we're going to find, <laughs> we're going to find a Mad Men wiki that's going to tell us what Eugene Hofstadt, yeah, Eugene Hofstadt's job was, and it is yeah. not going to say bank. I, I hope you're right. Look, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking it up. So much conflict. You can continue talking, but I'm looking it up. So Judy says that he's with Ruth now. And Betty said, you know, they're just like talking. It's it's exactly what you do after someone dies. Which is you just say random shit that comes in your head about that person. So Betty says that once he had asked, what's going to happen when I get to heaven and I have two wives? And William said, knowing Gloria, I don't think that's going to be a problem. And they all giggle. Yeah. And Sally, we see her and she's like, "Mm, how dare they? And then Betty takes a bite of of a peach and it just absolutely explodes all over. It's disgusting. It's real messy. It's disgusting. And Don tells her not to eat it because it was in... Jean's car all day. Right. So we know that he was going to buy peaches. Now, the A&P, is that a grocery store? Yes, so that that confused me. Yeah. If he died in line at the A&P, how were the peaches already in his car? Exactly. That's very strange. So, hey, we're not telling you how to do your business, Matthew Weiner, but I don't understand that. And then Sally comes in, and he is, she is so mad. She storms in. She's been crying. Her face is all red. And she's Mm. yelling them because they're laughing. And they don't get it. Mm -hmm. They don't get it that he is gone, gone. And the thing is happening is that she is, this is the first time she's realizing that he's gone, gone. Or like that anybody could be gone, gone. Mm -hmm. And she is fucking freaking out about Mm -hmm. it. Knowing, no one is talking to her or helping her or like telling her how to express her emotions. Right. And so she just blows up. And then Betty gets really mad because she's mad and, and it's like just this absolutely Everybody's blowing up at each awful other. situation. And Betty just tells her to go watch TV and Don kind of gives her a nod. And then she goes and lays down and watches the news. And the she watches the news story of an elderly Buddhist monk who had set himself on fire to protest in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, which is a very famous image. Um... And that's what dates this is June 11th. Mm. So I thought of this like, so this monk set himself on fire. He had mm-hmm. so much peace with death yes. that he could just set himself on fire. Yeah. And it is just like 
brushed past on this news story is this like you know novelty right it's there you know it's like it's just this missed opportunity for growth where these these moments that Sally is just kind of crying out for someone to help her mm-hmm. and guide her and no one is doing poor that poor Sally poor Sally and Betty you know didn't have that so that was that was part of Jean's whole thing is that Betty is soft mm-hmm. and he wants to make Sally tougher mm-hmm. because she can handle stuff and we just we see them conflicting here as like is he trying to fix what he what went wrong <laughs> with Betty right with Sally. Did you find anything? Now listen. Yeah. I did. What'd you find? something. But now, okay, it's from Reddit. Okay. So it's not canon. All right. But then I found a more different Reddit thread that's called Head Canon Concerning Grandpa Jean. Okay. So, but this first one asks, uh, what did Betty's father, Eugene Hofstadt, do for a living? Mm-hmm. And they're wondering. Betty's brother, we know Betty's brother worked for him. Later they mentioned he worked at a bank. Could that be? What's going on? Somebody says, Top comment. Mm-hmm. I always assumed he was a customer at the bank rather than an employee there. That's why he needed to be Eugene Hofstadt number two, so the tellers could tell his account apart from the account of Eugene Hofstadt number mm-hmm. one. You've just given us two people <laughs> with the two different opinions, so I like that you're saying the no, one no. that agrees with you. Well. The first thing says he worked at a bank. That that, there was well, an he's ad- saying, what does he, what does he do? Because he's confused. Okay. The earlier stuff says he has a blue-collar way about him. This, however, was common with men of that time. blah 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 He ca- he carries himself in a blue-collar way, but he has all this money. Okay. And then later, he's like, but the, uh, the brother says he worked for a bank. Now, this more different thing. <sighs> yeah. Listen. Don't you sigh. You're just dismissing the things that agree with me. No, no. Which... No, no. Okay. I'm yeah. not. All right. This is just somebody on Reddit wildly mm-hmm. speculating. It's mm-hmm. fun, but it doesn't yeah. address... I'm going to assume that the speculation is about uh, Eugene's banking career, (laughs) and that's why (laughs) Ashley doesn't want to share it. It's not at all. It's about his time in the 20s, the roaring 20s, and the speakeasies, and messing around with flappers, and jamming out to jazz music. Yeah, that does sound like fan fiction. Right. (laughs) What kind of a nerd would do fan fiction about Gene? I don't know. All right, so we're back in bed. Don and Betty are asleep on top of their bed. They're wearing their clothes. I noticed it looks like they've got a new clock radio next to Don's bedside. I did not notice that. It's like a big white box, and I don't remember seeing it before, so I feel like it's, you know, 1963. You get a nice clock radio. Okay, all right. He gets up. He folds the blanket kind of over Betty. Yeah. She's kind of sweet. She's got, like, her tissues that she's been crying in her hand. And then he looks in on Sally. She's sleeping... And she's holding H- that book, the book, Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, that Jean had her read to him. And then he goes into the little room where Jean had been sleeping. And, like, there's the, a very symbolic moment mm. of he has folded up the cot. Yeah. And there's a crib behind <laughs> There's a him. crib in there. And then I said America music. It's over there. Over there. Over there. There's a war going on over there. Okay. Because the Yanks are coming, the Yanks are coming, and we won't come back till it's over, over there. Oh. So that is a World War One song. Oh. Which is why I am confident that it he was... World War I. And also, those little pointy sure? hats, that's a World War One. Okay. Hat. 
I believe you. I right. I don't believe you about where Gene worked, mm. but I believe you in mm. which war he fought in. All right. And about matters of history. Thank you. Regarding war. <laughs> Thank you. I am a military scholar. You are. If nothing else. And listen. It's, I, come I love to you. it so much. I know. I think we should just have all wars all listen, the time. When we're not watching Mad Men, you're yeah. making me watch MASH. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so much MASH. Yeah. So many Ken Burns documentaries. Exactly. So many. All right. That was this episode. <laughs> the arrangements we had. Mothers, fathers, daughters, sisters and brothers. Sons, sisters and brothers. Yeah. Death, pregnancy, roommates, phone calls. <laughs> uh, diet sodas. Prank calls. Homosexuality. Little green 90s. Uh Fake Anne Margaret's. Broken egg plants. Nope. Broken, Broken ant, ant farms. farms. <laughs> Broken eggplant. <laughs> I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I think my brain is disintegrating. Yeah. All right. Well, before. Hi, Blue. It's dinner time and my cats have flanked me. It's actually well <laughs> past their dinner time, but they're being good. Let's get to know how much of a doozy was this episode? Um, well, I mean, somebody died. Yeah, 100%. But even the dying wasn't very doozifying. It was off camera. It was off camera. We saw it coming. Yeah. We knew Homeboy had had another stroke. Yeah. Betty did some terrible acting. (laughs) Just the worst I've maybe seen yet. Very, very childish. She really leaned into the I'm a spoiled brat look. Yeah. I'm going to give it 68% right. doozy. I do want to just remind you, we got to see Sal perform the Bye Bye Birdie dance. But... That's what brought it up from All a 52% right. doozy. I love it. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to give it, I can't give it seven. Because okay. it doesn't exist. Yeah. <sighs> so I'm going to give it 6.9. Okay. Fake Ann Margaret's. Fake Ann Margaret's. Yeah. I will say there are a lot, I've seen in a couple places that this episode is considered, like, a perfect capsule Mad Men episode. Oh. So, like, like the Matt Zoller-Sice article from the book Carousel, it's, he says that, like, if I'm ever going to show someone an episode of, like, this is what Mad Men is, it would be this one. Because you see, like, advertising and dealing with clients, you see a lot of the parents and, and, and kids stuff, but you all, and, like, a lot of the different characters. Mm-hmm. But also just the way that there are parallels and there are themes, but they don't hit you over the head with it. And so it is like you keep seeing people dealing with what they've raised. Mm. You know, you see Gene dealing with what he's done with and and with Betty and Horace with Horace Jr. Mm. and Peggy's mom with Peggy but you don't even totally feel it's not that obvious. Uh-huh. And so you can have Oh, cat. You're such an asshole. My cat doesn't care about my deep analysis. <laughs> but just I mean, I'm I'm not trying to affect your fake Anne Margaret thing. I just want to say that it's I would not show this to somebody if it was their first introduction to Mad Men. Okay. I don't know which one I would show. I'd have to think about that, but it would not be yeah. this one. 
I think, maybe it'd be the one where everybody gets high. May, I mean, that's a good one. I, maybe not if you wanted to entertain somebody necessarily mm. if you're like here's the coolest episode of Mad Men sure here's the most entertaining episode of Mad Men but if Man. I was going to show them an ep that I would hope they'd come back to see more yeah I would not show them this one okay I, I don't know that that's it I think it's just this is what Mad Men is if you just want to show right. somebody whether you care or not okay it's like here because like I said you know All right. the dialogue is amazing sure there's little jokes and stuff sure buddy stop <laughs> There's not more to knock over, you little asshole. His face. He was so angry at that glass. He's pretty mad. Yeah, he's pissed at you. Yakety sacks, Ashley predicts. <laughs> For season three, episode five. All right. Almost halfway through season three already. Holy crap, we're, Kate. That's going to go on. fast. Along. We're going to be done with this pod before the end of the year. We need to start throwing in some other kinds of eps. We got to slow this baby down a little bit. I don't know how we're going to do that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I predict for a season three, episode five. Yes. Betty's having this fucking baby. I cannot <laughs> take another goddamn yeah. day of yeah. this ridiculous, yeah, caricatured belly. I don't blame you. And then I hope. Here's what I hope. Mm-hmm. She has the baby, and just in the background, so like out the window of the hospital room, mm-hmm. you see somebody in the background pouring gasoline all over the prop belly and oh, lighting it on fire. Okay. Not anybody in 1960s guard, like just straight right. up a prop man from this show. Uh-huh. Somebody from the costume department yeah. who was like, thank fucking God. <laughs> uh-huh. The evil is gone. All right. And they burn that shit. I, I think that would be very cathartic for everybody. I think so. Yes. Now the baby's going to be born. We mm-hmm. know it's a boy. Yeah. This fucker's square headed. <laughs> This fucker comes. Mm-hmm. They're gonna name it Lucifer. Uh-huh. Gene Draper. Because Lucifer. Betty's Yeah. <laughs> Betty's feeling that like yeah. fam it, this happens like the day after Gene dies. Like okay. the next day, all mm-hmm. the trauma yeah. boom pops her uterus. Yeah. So they're like, Well, we gotta name it after Gene. So mm-hmm. it's Lucifer, Gene, yeah. Squarehead Draper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I gotta, I gotta do a little carrot add in Squarehead. He's one of those two middle name kids. Yeah. Listen, my daughter has two middle names. Don't you, don't you bemoan two middle names? Hey, my mom doesn't have any middle names. Well, there you go. My great aunt had like three of them. Perfect. It all shakes out even in the end. It does. <laughs> so yes, that happens. Yes. Baby is square-headed. 100%. It already is doing some evil shit. Mm. I don't want to say what. We're All just right. going to know. When we see it, we're going to be like, that's the evil shit. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Sally is furious. Mm-hmm. She is just, she's grieving. She's in that stage of grief where you're just angry, and then this baby comes, and she can tell that it's evil. Yeah. She knows about evil now because she read about the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Oh, yeah. So she's well-versed. Yeah. She saw some square-headed folks in that book. Uh-huh. So she's pissed. She learns that the baby's evil. She starts plotting how to kill it. Oh, She's okay. going to perform some siblicide. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the word? Well, there's patricide yeah. and matricide, so I have to assume there's siblicide. Probably it's as good as guess as I would have made. I like Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Betty, well, she just no, we... can't do anything. Betty again? Betty. Did I say Betty? 
Well, I said she had the baby. Yes. Okay. So we are... Okay. But now this is... So that's just a thing that happens. Yes. She but, has the baby mm-hmm. and she... Like I said, she spirals. Yes. She's spiraling because it's a boy. Mm-hmm. She's spiraling because her dad is dead. She's spiraling because she also can tell this fucker is evil. Yeah. She's also spiraling because Don is freaking out because baby is square-headed. There's right. going to be a lot of this app that just takes yeah. place in this one hospital room. Right. In real time mm-hmm. while the belly burns in the background. Okay. It's a real stray from yeah. how the show normally goes. Definitely. It's going to be like 17 minutes in mm-hmm. real time yeah. of this all coming to be. Okay. I will clock it. Great. Great. Pete and Ho Ho. Uh huh. Um, they're just going around the city with these little scoops and they're just chucking balls at people. <laughs> and they're like, It's Highlight! Uh huh. And they're having a grand old time until mm-hmm. they smash the ball into like a grandma. Uh huh. And she breaks a hip. Yeah. And then they're like, This ain't gonna be America's pastime. Oh no. Pete, Pete says that. Ho Ho was still like, This is great. Nobody likes grandmas. Yeah. But Pete is like, you know what? I do like grandmas, and I don't want this sport to maim any more grandmothers. That is really sweet of I know. Pete. Pete has his moments. He's got a soft side. He's got his moments. Um, oh, Peggy and Karen move in. <gasps> Cute. And the very first thing that Peggy does is bring home a sailor. <laughs> but she doesn't know that it's a sailor because they're okay. at the bar and he's wearing like a jacket mm-hmm. and then they get home and he takes his jacket off and it's like one of those little yeah. kid sailor suits. Yeah. And she's oh. like, oh no, a nice. sailor. Uh-huh. And so she can't close her door. Okay. Because Karen is against that. Yeah. So when Karen wakes up in the morning, Peggy is hiding the sailor in her bed, but just like piling up a bunch of pillows. Yeah. And yeah. stuffed animals just so he'll be disguised. That's smart. Yeah. And that's all. Okay. That's all that happens. Any lingo? Um, he's crowning. <laughs> uh, yeah. If he's square-headed, is you can still, still crown? crown okay. If you're square, you've got a head. He's it's boxing. Just, he's boxing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I look forward to seeing each of those things. A very maternity ward centered yes. episode of Mad Women, <laughs> yes. Mad Men. Yeah, and Mad Women. And Mad Women. I mean, Both. we this we've come to the time where I'm really gonna learn what it's like exactly. <laughs> to give birth. Exactly. It's gonna get graphic, guys. Uh, we're gonna have a. It's gonna be a video podcast. I can't wait. All right, that's not true. <laughs> come back and listen. We won't get too gross unless we choose. Speak to. for yourself. Don't yeah. put me in a box. Sorry. Uh, Ashley wants to be out of the box. <laughs> Rate us on iTunes five stars. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your children who you think would like this. Tell everyone. Tell your parents who you think would like this. Tell your parents who you think wouldn't like it. And yeah. tell them that you won't be their kid anymore unless they listen. Yeah, really. That'll learn them. Give them an ultimatum. Okay. Say, like, if you don't. Check up on your friends. Have they commented mm. on the iTunes? Right. If they haven't, cut them out of your life. They're not your friend. Yeah. Real friends yeah. would listen and comment and rate. That's true. Ashley and I have cut a lot of people out of our lives. Oh, girl. I'm burning bridges left and right. Yeah. Like, they don't realize. 
it's, how important yeah. it is to us. It's been a pandemic, <laughs> yeah. so they haven't known that I've cut them out right. of my life because we haven't <laughs> been able to be around each other. Right. But when the time comes yeah. and we're all at a party together again, uh-huh. yeah. and I'm giving them the Dwight Schrute silent treatment, mm-hmm. and Shun. I'm shunning and unshunning, <laughs> they're going to learn real quick and then be like, yeah. what did I do? Exactly. And I'll say, She's friends with Jerry Seinfeld. I do. What do you mean I'm shunned? <laughs> It's a puffy shirt. <laughs> no soup for you. Is that what he says? I should have stopped with the first one. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. We love you. And as we say at the end of every episode, Merry, Merry Mad Men to all and to all a good night. Thank you for listening to Mad Women. Mad Women is engineered by Ashley Davis, music by Kate E. Britt, and graphics by Dylan Anderson. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RadMadWomen. Production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.